Sledge Lords, Adam and Danny back. We don't have any guests. We don't have any adult stars to join us this time. It's just me and my bro Aww. hanging out. That's talking cute. about our privilege. Oh, uh, yeah. And how to trigger the libs and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Once again, we're back mm-hmm. in it. What's going mm-hmm. on? How to suppress people voting in the South if they're of color. Ah, that's how, what you've been doing? I've been, well, that's <laughs> what we usually talk about. Like, I mean, how are we going to limit a woman's right to choose? How are we going to stop people from coming out to the polls? How are we going to gerrymander our YouTube audience? We're really big on that, too. Mm. There need to be lines drawn in the sand. Because I will tell you that I spent a a chunk of my morning watching you harassing people with violins on the uh, L.A. transit system. Hey, many of whom were white. Mm. I want to point out. No, it's true. That's the syst- That's what they're doing down there in the subways. The crime is so high, they're blaring classical music in to scare off the bums. So me and my buddy Leo are like, we're showing up in tuxedos with violins to help, uh, you know, complete the job. That was a pretty good idea to just sort of play into that, the fact that they're already playing classical music down there and that, like, a lot of people in L.A. are complaining about it, apparently. I don't think that I know anyone who has ever taken the train, like, in recent memory, maybe years and years ago, but, like, people don't know necessarily in L.A. Nobody takes the train. It's got such a bad reputation. You, You can't. Like, if you don't get assaulted on the train, you will probably catch something from sitting in one of the seats. Mm. You will catch something that came off a guy with AIDS that was caked onto his Levi's. Right. Do you ever peep the scenario? I was driving down the highway the other day, and I wish I could remember what highway, but, you know, one of L.A.'s many gigantic highways. Uh. And in the middle between the northbound and southbound lane, there is, like, a train track running along the middle. Uh-huh. So the trains drive in between the freeway, like, right, right in the middle. But... We drove by like a station where like, you know, people are getting off and like there's no shade. It's just pure sun just blasting down on you. And there's people just sitting there in the middle. And I'm like, this is why this train has such a bad reputation, because think about being forced to just sit there. Every single people person going both ways is able to look at you. The sun is blasting down Uh upon you. This is just not People in L.A. on average are trying to deal with, sure. I think. And that's the absolute least of your problems if you're taking the transit. Mm. Like A little bit too much vitamin D compared to getting stabbed while you're just trying to commute to your job at the hospital. Because mm. that's what's happening down there. If you haven't seen the video I did, basically fentanyl addicts are attracted to the subway like moths to flame mm. because they can light up their fentanyl with no wind. No wind comes and blows away the powder. That's why they're on the train. According to the LA Times, <laughs> yes. Stop it, really? And they can also pass out down there, and it's relatively safe because there's security around that doesn't do anything, so they know they're not going to get the beat out of them in their sleep mm. and get their Obama phone taken away. I'm going to be real with you, though. Like, I have some, some worse memories in New York, though. I remember one time waiting for the train, and sometimes, you know, you're, you're going to take the train in the middle of the night uh, in, in Queens or Brooklyn, and you're standing there, it might be February, and you're standing there for 45 minutes waiting for the train to come. Whereas during the day, a lot of times it feels like it's like every five, 10 mm-hmm. minutes, you're getting another train opportunity. And so I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally it comes, my fingers are freezing off. I was going to get tattooed at like one in the morning, uh-huh. which why would I ever do that? And I, then, we were going to get, I was trying to imagine how nasty the chick Adam would go to <sighs> on a train at 2 a.m. I don't remember which time it was, but I do remember that one time I went to get tattooed by this guy in the wee hours of the night and that I did have some random girl who lived in that area come over and let me f- in this guy's bathroom. I knew it. So there, there may have been some of that at work. Classy, this, by the way. This, really classy. This is, well, this is 20 years ago. Yeah. Just well, to put it in perspective. I'm sure she was marriage material.
I'm sure she has a happy family with a worthy husband now. I think that she probably is smoking meth in some sort of Ozfest parking lot right now. That's my best guess. But anyway, <laughs> I just I got to know like Ozfest isn't going on right now, right? So it's just like it is the, in the, the metagrounds. Oh, in the metaverse. I searched it the other day. Okay. Is the is Ozfest still going on? It said yes, but only in the metaverse. Wow, I thought that was a very successful enterprise. I just want to figure out where she's currently smoking meth. But I think it stopped because of COVID. That's come on, Ozzy. Because to me, touring is such a big deal. Coachella as a brand is worth billions of dollars, I would assume. Yeah. So you're telling me that Ozfest isn't worth that much? Like, to me, that's a no-brainer. That's a brand name that has been being grown since the 90s, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now I think people are just they're raking it in on tours right now. Now is the time because everybody was cooped up. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I guess I, I heard the Red Hot Chili Peppers just did record numbers, these newest couple tours after covid I don't know if that goes for everybody, but it seems to make sense. Nostalgia is big. Nostalgia is huge right now. Whereas I feel like there is not that much modern music that has that kind of appeal. Like yeah. it, it does exist, but it's much less. There are very few like popular rock bands that are like currently making music. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I, me and my girl went to see John Mayer the other day. Ooh, that's uh, a bold move on your part. I don't think I filled you in on this, but we went to see John Mayer in Inglewood and you know, casually filled 18,000 seats. How casual was it? He didn't like promote it or anything? I mean, I'm sure he promoted it and stuff, but he was just like, ah, just, you know, it was like a one, a one man show. show. It was just him on stage. No production. I mean, there was like a, a, a monitor that's like showing him, filming him from different angles and stuff, but nobody else was ever on stage with him at that time, which is kind of amazing to me. So he needs a band. No band. He needs a backing band, though. That's he, where we come in. It's like this was the theme of the tour. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe John Mayer would be happy to do vocals for us. Dude, John Mayer's got a wicked sense of humor. I think oh, he'd he's like funny, to join yeah. us, dude. He's dope. But he's I feel like too. John Mayer's been like going his entire life just trying to not make offensive jokes because of the fact that he knows his whole career could just disappear if he was his true self. Yeah. Yeah, he did I told stand you about up. the white nationalist penis joke thing. That he made. Yeah. This sounds really familiar. Hit me with it one more time. So 2010, he did like a Playboy interview. Yeah. And he made multiple remarks that realistically probably seemed funny as hell yeah. in the moment, but were widely perceived as racist. Remind me of the joke. I think we talked about this last Sledge Lord. Was it on that Sledge? Because I can't remember which episode, if I talked about it with you or not, but basically like he said that he's attracted to all races, but that his penis is basically a white supremacist. <laughs> Which is, which is hilarious, but it's an insane thing for a pop star to say. Exactly. Insane but, thing for a pop star to say. But it wouldn't be that funny if some random comedian said it. It's only really funny because when you hear it, you know that John Mayer is not supposed to be saying things like yes. that, right? Yes. It definitely makes it funnier. Yeah. That, that my body is a wonderland. Probably like Wally's tuning up his Martin is like, hey, my penis is a white supremacist, baby. Because the other day, I know you're a fan of all these old-timey comedians and whatnot, but the other day I listened to Joe Rogan interview Howie Mandel for like two and a half hours, which if you people at home are hearing me say that you're probably thinking like what why the fuck would you watch that for two and a half hours but i get massages every three weeks does lena know about these she does okay. it happens in the comfort of my own home i have, uh -huh. I have a guy very very strong but, strapping young buck okay. no now i just think you're homosexual he, i am gay he yeah. comes through and he gives me massages and he's super good at it, super strong but the thing is is that if there's not a podcast playing he's going to talk to me uh, and i'm not trying to talk I'm just uh -huh. trying to get the massage. Just trying to get your massage. Get your so nut, the, the get moment he walks in, boop, Spotify, press play, podcast bumping. Yeah. That way he won't talk to me. Uh -huh. So I, a lot of times, have to sort of pick something in a hurry. 
most recent episode of the JRE at that time was with Howie Mandel, clicked it. And just I'm hearing it coming from him that he holds back a ton in order to hold on to all of these corporate opportunities that he gets in terms of being on TV and mm-hmm. everything like that. He's, he's told Joe straight up, I have a mega offensive sense of humor mm-hmm. and I can't make those kind of jokes because I'm not trying to lose out on movies and mm-hmm. opportunities, all these kinds of things. And Joe's kind of like, God damn, bro, you should just do it. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking the same thing. But then he said that even with his somewhat, you know, vanilla style of comedy, I, I don't, it's not like I watch a lot of fucking Howie He Mandel. says he's filthy on stage. I've heard him say he's filthy on stage, mm. but you can be filthy on stage and still know the jokes aren't crossing corporate lines. Yeah. Like you can make shit jokes and piss jokes. As long as you're not making like anti-trans or racist jokes, you're probably good. It would be hard to get canceled for something that you said in a comedy uh, club basement. As opposed, you know, like if there's a shitty iPhone camera angle of it, yeah. people aren't going to hold you and your jokes as to as to that high of a standard. But but Howie Mandel, I don't know. It's just like it sounded kind of sad when he was just talking about it. I'm like, damn, that would be me if I if I had these kind of corporate opportunities, or maybe it wouldn't be. But once you get into that world, you can't really, you know, you, you kind of just have to play the game. But he said that he gets he he has like studio executives and people that he works with on the corporate side telling him that he has to apologize <sighs> to people like not publicly. He has to like give somebody a call behind the scenes to apologize in order to like maintain the good graces of his career. What, who's he apologizing to? He's like For 65. What? I don't know. Like you make a Jewish joke, so you have to call up a rabbi and just apologize to some random rabbi. <sighs> what really bothers me about that is just the 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 human nature. Clearly, humans never have enough. If Howie Mandel still doesn't feel secure enough in his wealth to do whatever the fuck he wants, mm. because he must be worth what, like 30, 40 mil? Isn't isn't that fuck you money? He's worth enough that he should probably not have to care. But when what's he on The Voice or he's um, on one of those gigantic network talk shows. America's Got Talent. They're paying you, you know, I don't know, five million dollars a year to host this show. Plus, when you go on tour, all these moms in the middle of the country know who you are based on that show. Mm. So you're making a hundred, hundred and fifty grand a night selling out a giant theater. And you, you, for example, like to compare to him, it's such a different situation because, like, for you, it behooves you to be confrontational and aggressive and to get into situations that might be controversial whereas with Howie Mandel it's like oh yeah I could make this fucking holocaust joke on stage at this club or, yeah. but maybe I'm gonna lose out on 10 million dollars yeah. this year yeah it's gonna be tough yeah his uh his fucking hanger on daughter of his he's got to make sure he's looking out for her oh, he does he does a podcast with his daughter now. yes yeah, yeah. she's got to go to usc and she's probably gonna need a trust fund because i don't think her career is gonna Wait, go too she well she does go to usc i'm just assuming so i'm oh. assuming any showbiz parent in los angeles has to put their kid through usc hmm. and then they they also have to bribe usc to get the kid in so that's like another 300 grand on top of the tuition. Yeah, I don't know where his kid is at in life, but I feel like I can't imagine doing a podcast with my like 20-year-old daughter. It just feels like it would be kind of like like what have you done to deserve that? Yeah. You haven't worked your way up. You're just going to get the claims of you being a nepo baby thrown yeah. at you, right? Yeah. Who else is doing that right now? What's who's the um the Hispanic comedian who has a show with his daughter too? Hmm. There's a there's a big Hispanic What's that? George Lopez. George Lopez has a sitcom with his daughter, too. And dude, like good for these girls. At least the sitcom's fake. 
Yeah. A podcast of you like really having a conversation with your kid. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it works for them. Maybe I'll think differently about when I get older. But to me right now, it just kind of feels like, is this the only way that you can really have a relationship is doing it on camera? Like, uh-huh. I don't know. Like, and, and what are they talking about? Like, so Teresa, how was it when I gave you 20 grand for allowance last <laughs> month? How was that? Right. How was going to the most expensive steakhouse in town with all your spoiled cunty friends? Yeah, I wonder what they do talk about. She, uh, Adam Carolla, because I went on Adam Carolla. I watched like, some of that. He's yeah. the fucking man. But he got into it with her over like hygiene because Adam Carolla doesn't believe in soaps and shampoos and she went after him. And Howie's like a germaphobe. I like Howie. I don't mean to talk shit about him and his family, but right. just the idea of doing a podcast with your daughters. Wait, kind of fun. He doesn't like soap or shampoo like Adam at all. Carolla? Yeah, Adam Carolla has a bunch of just like weird beliefs that he's just stood by for decades. One of which is he showers by swimming around in his pool and he doesn't use soap or hand sanitizer or shampoo at all. I'm not going to say at all. Did he visibly or did he nasally stink when you met him? No, I shook his hand. I mean, I also would probably like eat Adam Carolla's shit. So maybe I was a little biased, but he Hmm. he came off very clean. I'm going to be honest with you. When I go in my pool... I don't feel clean after. I feel like I need a shower. And maybe he's got like a special combination of chlorine. I was thinking that too. Because any healthy amount of chlorine, you feel kind of gross after getting out of the pool. Chlorine like on your body is the whole reason why you have to take a shower after you. Like I'm I'm very disturbed by that mental idea because I've been dirty as hell. Like worked out already did an hour of cardio and then my girl I, I i come back my girl's like come in the pool we're hanging out in the pool yeah. i'm sweating my ass off i hop in the pool i feel grosser yeah after that yeah Damn. yeah no I, I feel when i'm in a pool i feel like if i don't take a shower there it, there's a chemical coating that is eating away at my skin minute by minute yes and, and I, I, don't, I might get like cancer if i don't I get it shower. might get into my dick hole that's for a guy who does porn. That's a strange phobia. Well, I just feel like, yeah, but I'm quite protective of my dick hole because I've felt pain emanating from my dick hole multiple times in my life. And I just, I don't know something uh-huh. about that. Uh-huh. Can you want to tell us the source of that pain? Mr. Chlamydia? Yeah. Chlamydia. Gonorrhea. <laughs> <laughs> most, oh, yeah. Mostly those. I yeah. thought you were going to beat around the bush, but Adam's an honest man. You <laughs> yeah. want me to tell you about my uh, fiasco coming in this morning? Oh yeah. I love this. Yeah. Let's hear it. Okay. So Adam says we're going to do a reaction video. Mm. I'm down. I get here. I thought it's going to be like me, Adam Flacco, chuckling at uh, a big lady tumbling down some stairs. I get here, though, and Josh tells me, first of all, it's kind of early. I haven't had my coffee yet. I'm in a foggy state of mind. Josh tells me, like, oh, yeah, we're going to sit you next to uh, Almighty Suspect, and Adam's not going to be here. And I go, "Uh, the Almighty Suspect who's been calling me a racist and saying he doesn't fuck with me on See, I didn't know podcasts. this. I, somehow I missed this. I thought that everybody got along well here. I didn't know that there would be anything to get past. I So there was one podcast where basically it was four hosts saying that I was a racist and not a very good person while Josh pushed back. Who else was saying it? Oh, was it on the news? You know, Lush did a little bit. I, I, Lush, like... Shocker. Dude, he was saying, like, just videos of mine that were clearly not racist. Lush was saying they were kind of suspect, but... Uh, that's, yeah. like, his whole thing. Okay, and then I guess <laughs> that's what Josh told me was that, like, Almighty, that's sort of his thing, too. Is he just... And that's sort of the nature of the office is just taking a bold stance on somebody and doubling down on it. But for 10 minutes, I told Mikey and I told Josh, I was like, dude, I don't... I don't feel comfortable like telling zingers over Walmart videos with a guy who thinks I'm a terrible person who hates black people. I don't blame you at all for having that feeling at all. Yeah. 
I didn't know that this was going to be. How did you get past it, though? Did you have an actual conversation about it? Or you just kind of. So I walked back here and I, I had my iPad out and I was just going to like watch comedy on my iPad. And I was like, dude, I feel like a huge pussy right now being at the far end of the building while these guys go do their content, which is like their job. And I'm throwing a fit. So I just walked back in there and I, I like I saw Almighty in the, like the lobby of the building. And I was uh-huh. like, dude. I'm going to quit being a fucking pussy. And I just gave him a hug and he was like totally cool. Oh, wow. That's great. And then we went in there and we like fucking, you know, when you just have like match energy with somebody face to face, like just it's humans. We're social creatures. Like the respect just kind of comes like once he and I were making fun of an obese woman on the whatever podcast together, you know, she became the enemy Mm. and we became friends. She or he. It's really, (laughs) It was what I'm saying, Adam, is that uh, fat phobia trumps racism. Mm. Well, there's a big difference between calling somebody racist like on a podcast versus calling them racist to their face. As yeah, well. yeah. You know, one is content versus like like and and what happens on camera is way different than what happens off camera as well. And there's been plenty of times where I've been in that situation where you're basically like, <laughs> where you're like people are just saying things on camera and I'm sitting there thinking like, you don't believe this. Yeah. You are not actually a person who feels this way. It's just because of the camera, you feel that you have to hop into this shit, which I respect. I've kind of lost that instinct. Like Mm. I think I'm too big of a pussy to just go full Howard Stern and just slander various people other than Howie Mandel's daughter. I guess we were comfortable (laughs) doing that, but, but that's a safe move. You know, she's not going to pull a drive by, but I kind of respect almighty and guys like him who just are going for it for content, Mm. which I do in a way. I'm just, I'm done beefing with other creators. I don't like how that feels anymore. I don't like that shit either. It's just, it feels like such a waste of time. Yeah. But then you feel kind of hypocritical if you're talking about other people's lives and then trying to avoid talking about your own or your own issues with people. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that kind of, because the people who are able to produce content the most efficiently and the most consistently are, are people who are able to basically denounce huge swaths of the public, you Mm -hmm. know, like the Republican, uh, like a Steven Crowder type who, who was able to get on camera and just absolutely malign the left and talk Mm -hmm. about these trans people and these activists and these Mm -hmm. feminists. And that's just kind of like what he does day in, day out. And if you really want to be like a consistent content creator, having people to shit on kind of feels like the most consistent thing Mm -hmm. you need. Mm -hmm. At least in the right wing media, which I, I pay a bit of attention to, even though I don't really love a huge percentage of the characters involved. Are you following the Stephen Crowder divorce? As yes, as as I me? am. But also, just on that note, it's also the easiest thing to do when you're just hating because all you have to do is react. Mm. Like Stephen Crowder and Ben Shapiro, who I actually really like Ben Shapiro, but they they just get to the other people make the content and they write the script and just do it from the comfort of their office, mm. which is an easier form of content creation, I think, than actually making your own content. I am following the, was it a, a ring doorbell clip of you Steven Crowder, who's already, he tried to slander the Daily Wire. Oh, and the Daily Wire is working overtime against him, which is, I'm pretty sure that that's why this shit is all coming out in this way. I'm pretty sure that like the Daily mm-hmm. Wire had a secret meeting with Steven Crowder's ex-wife or mm-hmm. current wife and that they are absolutely teaming up. Yes. Yeah, because what what happened with the Daily Wire, which is Ben Shapiro's conservative news brand, which is a titan, it, it's, it's huge. A, it's a titan, especially because it's just acceptable enough to still be on YouTube. They do brush up against YouTube TOS routinely. Matt Walsh, right now, I just got demonetized by YouTube, but they have that reach of a mainstream YouTube 
platform mm. and they're huge on there and then they also have their pay site steven crowder and them had some sort of contractual falling out and steven crowder like pre-registered a url for like stop big con so he already had works he already had plans in the works to try to attack them before he came out and did it publicly. And you, you realize like what happened is that basically they offered him like $50 million over the course of five years. And then he came out on a show, didn't name them and basically just talked all this shit about this bullshit offer that he got. Mm -hmm. And then everybody figured out it was the daily wire. Everybody figured out that this guy's expecting more than $10 million a year. Mm -hmm. Everybody's fucking amazed. And his main complaint about the daily wires contract was that, it said that if any of his social platforms got deleted or demonetized or whatever, that that would affect his pay, which, sure. of course, if you have a YouTube channel and that's where the vast majority of people are finding out about your message, then, of course, if they aren't able to run advertisements on that, then how the fuck are they supposed to recoup their $10 million a year? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. which is just what happened to Matt Walsh. That shows you how susceptible those hosts are to getting demonetized, too. My whole thing is, like, I looked at Crowder's... YouTube channel yesterday and it seems like when he does this show that he does like a few times a week maybe five times a week when he's like really rolling they're getting like 200,000 300,000 views per stream yeah I haven't actually like really watched enough to know how many advertisements he manages to slip in on mm -hmm. average but it feels like that's not enough to earn mm -hmm. 10 million dollars a year now I'm sure the Daily Wire could afford to like maybe take a loss on whatever they're paying him just because they are clearly very well funded and they're trying to build this massive uh, conservative brand. But I was a little taken aback by just the, the sheer dollar amount right mm -hmm. there. He does have some videos pop off his mm -hmm. change my mind series. Those can hit five, six, seven million views. Mm -hmm. He also one thing I really like about Crowder is occasionally he does an investigative journalist piece where he infiltrates Antifa. He did one where he made himself and he put on heavy makeup to make himself look like an obese woman. Mm. And then he started billing himself as a fat activist. And I think he won some sort of award from like a formal fat activist organization. Wow, I didn't see that. That sounds amazing. It's pretty genius. Yeah. He'll do shit like that, which you just have to fucking respect the guy. Yeah, I've been spending a lot more time just like watching other people's content and sort of contemplating what the future of content is going to be or what I should be putting my time towards and everything. And especially because I'm, I'm getting married and going on vacation for three weeks afterwards, it's like I'm, I've just been kind of creating, trying to create more space in my head to be like, okay, what is everybody else doing? Like what, what might be the future in terms of making content and stuff? Because there are so many things that I think about that people were doing four or five years ago on YouTube that like barely exists now. All those thinking? daily vloggers. Daily vloggers. It used to be a daily vlogger. Do you think daily vlogs would hit if you brought them back though? Because I feel like putting out a video every day could just juice the algorithm for you. I was just watching Casey Neistat talking about it with Andrew Schultz and I mean, the way he talks about it just really illustrates how fucking difficult it is to do daily content because, I mean, most people, him included, you live like relatively, you know, most of your days are pretty much the same. Like mm -hmm. the way that my day was up until now and really including now was basically the same as like every other day mm -hmm. that I've lived for the past couple of years, which is mm -hmm. like wake up, work out, hang out with my kid, make breakfast did a, a meeting or two in my back house three uh, hours of tiktok yeah I don't, I don't really look at that anymore so you can you can retire that you fucking asshole but uh <laughs> and then like and then i drive here 
I talked to the guys in the lobby. Mm-hmm. This does not sound like much of a vlog, right? Yeah, Unless yeah. you really got some shit to talk. Like, what? there needs to be some spontaneity, something excited. You know, I come from doing those BMX vlogs. Yeah. To their credit, you're going out in public every day. And there's a lot of things that could happen when yes. you're going out at the skate park or you're going riding around the streets all the time. But, like, when you look at Casey Neistat, like, he was kind of, like, forced to constantly find new and exciting things because otherwise there's not going to be a vlog. And he did 800 in a row. That's fucked. I read about his schedule when he was doing it, and he, I mean, he basically wasn't sleeping. Yeah, probably neglecting his family. Oh, big time. around the clock. And, and but one thing that he knew from early on is that he knew that he did not want to go for uh, sort of like extreme thumbnail type stuff. He didn't want to play into drama. Or he didn't want to like do the kind of thing that all the YouTube vloggers do, where they say like, "We're moving out of New York." And then mm-hmm. it's like, oh, we went to Connecticut for the weekend mm-hmm. or, you know, like all these insane titles and stuff like, but, but he was able to avoid all that because he's this amazing storyteller that's so good with cameras and stuff yeah. that he was able to just make these incredible videos. Mm-hmm. But yeah, listening to him talk, but, but, or this is the other thing too, is like making TikToks. I've gone through little phases where you make a TikTok a day for, you know, a week and it just feels like making a TikTok for 60 seconds out of your day is so much more reasonable than mm-hmm. making a fucking 10 minute YouTube video, you mm-hmm. know? Like, it's just because it's never going to go viral on YouTube. Yeah. It just doesn't really go outside of your circle. Doing a for vlog. The most part, doing vlogs. Yeah. Very rarely. I've been I've been toying with this. I uh, I like that you're doing a deep dive into other forms of content creation and thinking about a strategy for the future. I've been thinking about that a lot too because I um usually my views oscillate from on the low side about 150,000 to on the high side like 250, 300,000 per video. Mm-hmm. And over the years I've been back and forth like within those brackets, like the high end bracket and then the low end bracket. But your ones that will get 800k or a million that like We'll get a normal amount at first and then just start to do better over time, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. And I've thought about doing two videos a week Mm. to try to break that up, just to try to fuck with the algorithm a little bit, like fucking hit that algorithmic G spot, Mm. see if I can get it to favor me a bit. I don't know, though. It's it's tough to change sometimes, and I'm open to it. I'm open to trying new strategies. The one thing that you have going for you on your channel that I admire or that I think that you should stick with is that it's like, once a week, and you're gonna make it the best quality you can. Yeah, I don't feel like you could get to two a week and still have it be as good of quality or as exciting for the audience. Like, I don't know. I feel like it would almost be a bad idea. What we would do is we would probably shoot the videos as one and then just edit them together and then just break them in half. Hmm. Write it so that there was a natural break point in the middle, and so it would be basically the same quality as the once a week video, but. It's popping up into people's subscription boxes twice a week, well, and therefore kinda, is more likely to grab a new audience. I was thinking that a little bit when I was watching this today. Like, does this need to be a half hour? Like, what would this be? What would this be like if it was like a twelve-minute vlog? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, the half hour is good because we make more money right. with AdSense, but then also you have higher watch time, mm. which gets the video recommended to more people too. And also, like my standard, some things that I think aren't very good and I want to cut out, the fans really like. Mm. Like my standards for what's good content are sometimes unnecessarily harsh. Interesting. Yeah, because but when you watch somebody like who really makes like super high quality vlogs, like Mike Malak does like mm-hmm. a really nice weekly thing, Nelka Boys for the most part, all those kind of guys in those circles and stuff. And sometimes you're you're looking and you're 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 just taken aback by like, holy shit, they filmed so much to get this ten minutes, mm-hmm. and it doesn't feel like they wasted any of my time. And that's that's not really how I approached YouTube from early on because early on it was like no daily, 
Mm-hmm. You need to do daily vlogs, or if you're going to do interviews or podcasts, you need to do as many, as frequently as possible. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like that mentality of like I'm going to get on a schedule and I'm going to like have the schedule allow for me to like be sane. But I feel like your schedule is probably it's pretty tough to maintain your sanity when you're like having to film this video because most of your shit involves traveling as well. Yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely this weekend. For instance, we went up to San Francisco, knocked out two videos, mm. and then I managed to go party with some friends too, which was good for blowing off steam. But describe partying, dude. I was fucking drinking, bro. Drinking and fucking, or just drinking, dude. Woo! Fucking. I don't know. I uh, having two videos <laughs> in the can though is uh, is fucking money. Oh yeah. To uh, yeah. Great no, feeling. No, I was just I was just drinking. Dude. When I'm walking around with fifteen po- podcasts in the back pocket. Oh, that feels good. Yeah. I could take a couple weeks off. Yeah. That's, so that's how I deal with stress. Yeah. For me, it's a victory, though, to get two vlogs because it's hard to shoot two vlogs in a week that feel like people aren't going to be, oh, I don't know about this one here. Mm. This one's not up to snuff. There's does the burnout start to set in, though? Because you're very involved in the in the editing as well, right? Uh, sometimes it does. Yeah, dude, I've had to start meditating and do all sorts of, like, psychological shit to not be fucking stressed out. I think about your morning routine all the time. Do you? Yeah, you fucking, you want some of this, bitch? No, because, like, I have a kid, so I don't know how the fuck it would work. You waking up and doing a seance and fucking meditating uh. for three hours and all that stuff, and I'm just like, holy fuck, I cannot, I can't, I could not do that. Yeah, you're going to snap one day because of it, too. You think I, I need the meditation? I meditate here and there. What it's you- like a ten-minute thing. Ten minutes? Ten that's, minutes. That's valid. How long you meditate? For? Fifteen, dude. Oh, okay. I'm no fucking. There's a Sam Dalai Harris Lama? meditation thing that's like ten minutes. If you type in Sam Harris meditation, it comes up on YouTube. I just always do that. Whenever I pull up Sam Harris content, it's to help me hate Muslims more. <laughs> <laughs> that's the duality of Sam. <laughs> I just I felt like I needed an edgy joke there. It had been a while since I'd said something objectionable. Uh, yeah, Sam, Sam Harris. Like, well, I the Islamophobia accusations. I think are bullshit. What did he? He got on Lex Friedman for having Kanye on the podcast. Wasn't that the new thing that people were attacking Sam Harris for, for being, like, too big of a pussy on? I actually kind of, even though I would totally, I was going to have Kanye on yeah, like that same fuck. week. I don't really, like, I don't think Sam's wrong. I think that Sam is right. That, like, what what is the point of having Kanye on your podcast? It's to make money and to get views, right? Because, like, He's during that time period, everything he was saying on camera was so fucking deranged. I listened to him on that Lex one a bit and it was just, it was terrible. Like it was like, I, I, Lex drives me crazy with this fucking love shit. It's just always talking about love and the power of love. And it's like, <laughs> bro, what are you fucking talking about? Like, how are you so smart and you feel the need to pad all of your conversations with this love talk? See, that's why you're going to snap eventually. Maybe in Italy. Maybe you're going to shoot up the entire fucking wedding party. But that's the most common critique, I think, of Lex Friedman is that that weird ass. Because he makes fun of himself for it now. I, I listened to Sam Harris do an episode recently about Yeah, you saw the same one. Okay. I, I don't mind the love stuff at all. The only thing I don't like about Lex Friedman podcasts is it, it is a rare event indeed when I can finish one mm. just because they are so long. I just listened to the chat GBT AI one because I feel like that's something we need to be on top of mm. as uh, as people, investors and workers, whatever. AI really is is the new, is this year's NFT. It kind of is. You're fucking right, dude. People talk about it so much, and I have to, like, stop myself, just like I kind of had to stop myself from, like, reading all these fucking articles about NFTs at a certain point. I have to kind of stop myself from 
clicking on every article about AI that I see or every podcast that pops up because there's so many people who want to talk about this. I feel like I have a decent frame of reference. I don't know, but you also just can't listen to like anything without fucking hearing about the AI element and things. Dude, you're so right. With NFTs, people are like, this is the future, bro. Yeah. Like it starts with Bored Ape, but then it's everything. They're everywhere. Yeah. And now NFTs being practical in our daily lives I don't know when that's going to happen when like the banks collapse and everything is done on the blockchain. Maybe there'll be more practical use for NFTs. But right now it's fucking stupid ass bored apes. We're talking seem to about, be the, the peak. We're talking about getting rid of our uh, crypto punk in the near future. You guys have a crypto punk? Yeah. Did you break even on it? Did you lose money? We lose a little bit. Do you guys have a you share like you have joint custody of your crypto punk? You and Elena? Yeah. <laughs> it was like 150K well, or something. You bought it pretty high up then, huh? Yeah, but then it was like 400, like a few months later. Yeah. And now it's like 150 or like 140. Like we might, we'll, we'll probably lose a little bit of money, but not much. You greedy piece of shit. You yeah. thought it was going to go higher than 400K? I told her I would sell it a million. But deep down in my head, if it got to a million, I don't know if I would have actually sold. I think I might have told her like, no, we need to hold on to we'll, it forever. We'll sell it at 3.5. God, could, if I could sit here and look you in the eyes and tell you that I made $400,000 off of NFT, that would be pretty offensive, huh? I'd be pretty upset because you're like the last guy who needs an extra 400K from a JPEG. I could use a 400K. 400K is always going to feel good. See, that's the thing. You're Howie Mandel, dude. <laughs> it's never enough. Except with NFTs. Wait, this is what I wanted to get to, though, is uh, how did you feel about the ring camera footage of Steven Crowder's uh, domestic interactions with his wife? Because... On one hand, he doesn't seem like the nicest guy. He seems like he might be a little bit depraved. But at the same time, there's something very nasty to me about leaking conversations that are taking place in somebody's home environment. And apparently that may have taken taken place at his his uh, his parents' house or her parents' house. And she went back and got the security footage. Or I, I think they're trying to act like the family are the ones who put it out. All kinds of nasty shit mm. happens in this divorce world, you know? Mm. And so, I don't know. But then at the same time, if we were to take the nastiest relationship-based argument that you ever had in your life, I feel like it would probably look worse than what Steven Crowder was saying on camera there. I... Uh... I've always been a pretty big pussycat with girls. Really? That's like one area of my life where I have nothing to worry about. Like there's going to be never an accusation coming out that I like hit a girl or even like raised my voice at one. Really? Uh, for, but even what I saw from Steven Crowder didn't seem that bad. Like he didn't seem like a great guy. But yet. he did say, I will fuck you up. That's I, that was the one thing. I, I didn't hear that. I saw it in the comments. It right. wasn't audible to me. I don't but, think I heard it either. I think I just had to like hear Destiny talking about it afterwards. Yeah. Uh, okay, are we, did somebody, did this all start? from a random commenter who just said that he said I will fuck you up I don't know or maybe I just read it in an article but I believe that because we both couldn't hear it he was quoted as saying that I think but also okay the weird thing like why why does he have a truck and she doesn't have a car and he's worth all this money and like that's kind of weird they have to decide who's going to be using the car at any given time but now saying all that I also think it's pretty fucked up that we even have access to this and that we're even able to have this conversation yeah because I would hope that if my relationship went sour that we wouldn't be leaking fucking ring camera footage of each other right I'm pretty anti people's privacy being violated yeah like the idea of people leaking personal text messages during a beef, DMs, audio, like illicit audio recordings, which Steve can't complain too much because he recorded the lawyer for Daily Wire during their business negotiations Mm. surreptitiously. Okay. So I, but I am anti that shit, dude. 
like I value privacy and I couldn't fucking imagine somebody leaking a camera feed of my arguments. But it's like one of the most con- consistent things I've seen in my adult life is that whenever there are divorce proceedings. Nice the- fills you hipster fuck, by the way. Is this hipster shit? It's pretty hipster, dude. Is it? It's real hipster. My girl has this terrible fucking problem going where she wakes up every morning and just orders the shit. It's delicious. It's so good. It's like the wokest company in the world, though. Are they? They hire you based on how like neurodivergent and non-binary. Binary Shut you the are. Fuck up, really? I'm pretty sure, dude. Like, I'm pretty sure that's the only. Like, they don't even look at your resume. I've never been in one. They look at your haircut, your skin color, and they try to guess what kind of hole you like to fuck. Really? And that's what gets you the job, wow. dude. It's funny. when you go in there. It's like just pride flags and just trans people and just people of color and BIPOC. And- See, I'm used to anything with a Z instead of an S normally being. At least sort of based. Like, you know, like, give me an example. Like, buy a rap album from the 90s and go look at the song titles, and they're always going to have a like Z. Boys in the Hood. Yeah, dude. Yeah, that's true. They replace S's with Z's. And so when I looked at Phil's coffee, I thought, oh, this shit is based as fuck. It's got a Z. It's like basically Black Rifle coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like veteran owned. I wonder how that would do in LA. Black Rifle? Yeah. Dude, I think you. there's probably a lot of conservatives. People in Bel Air would, like, they'd pull into the parking lot with their Bernie Sanders bumper sticker, mm-hmm. look over their shoulder, and then fucking go right into Black Rifle. Maybe if dude. Black Rifle Coffee could initiate some sort of invisibility cloak so that you could go in there without anybody seeing you. Uh, mm. Dude, there are all, so many covert conservatives in L.A. for sure. But continue, dude. I, I, went, interrupted to, I, you. I went to Black Rifle Coffee in Nashville. I went to one in Savannah, Georgia. I saw that it existed. I'm like, oh my God, I've seen that online. I have yeah. to try it. Yeah, yeah. I bought a t-shirt. What, what was I talking about before? You were talking about divorce proceedings. and Oh, I just, I always see like the gnarliest shit happening between people, like people that you thought had like a very respectful relationship and that they were, they seemed like they were a really solid, tight-knit group. And then you just hear about the terrible shit that happens between them. And it's kind of shocking to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough, especially for a conservative influencer who they're supposed to be like the arbiter of moral value. Right. Like those guys, that's Ben Shapiro. He can be very controversial in his speech because, you know, he's clean as a whistle at home. Mm. Like he like tucks his kids into bed, reads him the fucking Torah, makes love to his wife through a sheet. <laughs> he just had the most like timid fucking life ever. So, you know, that you're not really going to find anything too good on him. Yeah. And yeah. I love Ben Shapiro. I listen to his show all the time. I think really? it's really, really good. Really? I do, I'm into it. Like, I'm into it. Dude, his, I'm into it. Dude, his writers, and I, a lot of it's probably him, but like the fact that it's not just, he aggregates the relevant news stories of the day, but he also weaves them together into a political argument. See, this is what I need to do, is I need to actually watch like a full episode of the Ben Shapiro show, because this is how you really start to wrap your head around how other people are thinking about their content, and the thing with the right is that like there's a lot of competition and there's a lot of like these people like uh, conservative commentators are just putting out like an episode a day that's a huge fucking challenge to find that much shit to talk about and then when you realize that there's like a like i was just reading this profile of tucker carlson he's got 15 people working on his staff like Mm -hmm. finding video clips putting together segments and stuff Mm -hmm. and so they said that he does hop in the sauna for like an hour or however long before he does his show so he can really think about what he wants to talk about. But then he begins every day by just sending uh, an email to the team saying, this is what I want to talk about and this is the guests that I would like 
to have on. Mm-hmm. But now, now Tucker Carlson's whole thing has kind of been, we're, we're not going to know what him making content independently is going to look like for some time, but you know that he's just posted up in Maine. Mm-hmm. He's in Maine. Yeah. Yeah. He's he doesn't have to be near anybody. He doesn't yeah. have to be in New York city or anything like that. I mean, that's the fucking dream right yeah. there. He's getting paid almost $20 million a year. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't even have to live in a, a city. He lives in Maine. Like he must have security posted up. They said it was like the most random ass area. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, what I really admire, I know you admire this too, is like that level of delegation that the show can be that good. Ben Shapiro show can be that good mm. every day. Like that is a well-oiled machine in terms of you're a researcher, you guys are writers, you're holding my cue cards, you're doing the technical side and queuing up all my visuals Mm -hmm. to react to. Like those guys are, me being a workaholic in a way is a form of laziness. Right. Because I'm doing the same thing over and over, stressing myself out instead of realizing that like, you need to try new shit. You need to delegate. You need to expand the team. You need to hire new people here. Mm. You're good at that. You're pretty good at that. I'm okay at that. But like the idea of hiring a writer to kind of like think on your behalf, that's very interesting to me because I've almost never talked about anything on camera that I didn't like basically learn about myself through Twitter Mm -hmm. or social media or whatever it was. The idea of having like a whole team of 20 people and then somehow their intelligence or their experience or their viewpoint all gets sort of like funneled through you because they're helping you to put together ideas. I mean, I always thought of YouTube and content creation as being this very one-to-one thing where it's like I get on camera and I talk about how I feel about shit. Mm -hmm. The idea of having like a big fucking squad helping Mm -hmm. you to put together. But I mean, you would have to be such an incredible broadcaster to be able to put together like a tightly knit 45 minute or hour long podcast per day Mm -hmm. of you. And it's not really a podcast for the most part, because like that's what I hear about with Steven Crowder is that like he's really, really heavy about the writing. So like you, he has a team of writers. So like, you know, Brian Callen from Mm -hmm. the fighter and the kid, he's now on Steven Crowder's shit. Mm -hmm. And I've like seen some examples of people pulling up of like, look how different this is. Cause he clearly like has some jokes in front of him that were written for him as a result. I think so. Because you know, Steven Crowder believes in this, that it's like, he doesn't want you to just be on your own when he tosses you a subject and says like, Hey, what do you think about this? Mm -hmm. He wants you to already have some jokes written down or some, some, Mm -hmm pieces of thought so that you are, are not just diving in i don't know the show that used to do that i don't know if you ever saw a tough crowd with colin quinn i don't know it's, uh. it's a pretty good like predecessor for what you're talking about now colin quinn's like a great irish just fucking mick comedian okay. but he had it was in new york and he had like some of the best comedians of all time on the show like greg giraldo patrice o'neill jim norton they would sit around bring up current events and then they would go around the square and everybody had pre-written jokes about the events but they hadn't shared them with each other so some would fucking kill some would bomb but the show moved like lightning subject joke 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 subject joke 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 and there was some riffer like riffing in between but it was very well prepared like that it sounds similar and so if the joke lands bad is it kind of like you you can tell by everybody's reaction but it's great because it's just like they're a bunch of frat dudes that was their attitude they weren't like literally frat dudes but dude they just piled on each other if somebody bombed like they're just like you fucking nothing like over there trying to make a fucking dick joke and fucking stuttering over your words you're you suck but each other it's it's one of the best comedy shows of all time i remember going to a writing room one time because my friend catfish was on uh he was on some fucking it was it was on 
ESPN or something. They had like an action sports like daily talk show yeah. thing before they realized that nobody wanted to watch this. This is probably 2010 or something. Okay. And, and I go with him to the office and we're sitting around in a room with a bunch of like comedic writers and clearly this is like a day job for a bunch of them where there's the topics that catfish was going to talk about on the show that day and they've got jokes on deck like they must have hated catfish like this untalented fuck but catfish is such a dude who like would act like he was too good to say somebody else's joke but then he totally gets in there and i'm just listening to him just reiterate the jokes that they had already given him and i'm like oh my god like but some of it was like pretty good like a better joke than i'm probably going to think of on my own yeah and when you're actually sitting there and the fucking pressure's on you like what are you gonna say yeah it's a lot easier to just sort of say the pre-written shit right yeah dude i've been like being in comedy clubs now i see how like how big of sociopaths so many stand-up comedians are really that's a stereotype that comedians are super selfish super career oriented they must have hated some uh semi-dimwit BMX kid like Catfish right. coming in just like, oh, what's up, dude? Just kind of ignoring them and like just dismissing them and then just reading their hard-written jokes right? and getting the credit for it. People at home thinking this was Catfish's own brain cranking out the material. Okay, but I doubt that those people were taking that much pride in the jokes and then I also feel like in general, they probably wouldn't care. Like, could you imagine yourself, let's say it was a, it was a dope offer. Somebody's like, hey, Danny, we're going to give you a, I don't know, like whatever would make your fucking fingernails tingle. Like we're going to give you this point five million. We're going to give you I'm doing fi- pretty well. We're going to give uh, let's, let's scale it down. Though. Let's, we're going to give you 20 grand a month. Not enough. I'm joking. And you got to show up at, you know, 10 a.m. And you got to be in this office for like two hours, write some jokes, present them to the talent. And that's all you got to do. It's like two hours per day, Monday through Thursday, let's say. Mm-hmm. So it's very like part time job. You can clearly do whatever the fuck else you're doing. Mm hmm. And you're getting paid like a good amount, but you don't get any kind of credit for it and you don't take any kind of pride in it. Yeah. Does that sound like something you could do or does that sound like something that would just crush your soul? I'm a dude. Honestly, I'm pretty bad at sticking to things when there's like no creative fulfillment Mm. in it for me. I don't think I'd be able to do that. Really? Yeah. I mean, 20, 20 grand. I would try it for a little bit. I was trying to make it enough that like you would want to do it even if it was painful dude I, i've heard so there's a, there's a big in the comedy world too there are so many stories of great comedians having to work at late night shows and just phoning it the fuck in mm. like anthony jesselneck did that dave attell did that they just they show up they write one joke a week for the show while just thinking about their stand-up set the whole time they're in there mm. and i feel like that'd be me too it's like come on this is stupid i got a video i gotta go make yeah because if you're spending all your time trying to be genuinely funny on camera it's gotta it's just gotta be weird writing jokes for people where you know that they're not that invested and you can kind of just phone it in you don't really have to do all that much and yeah it'll work like you'll still be able to keep your job yeah it's yeah it'll be tough yeah i'm sure those guys were just doing the bare minimum to make catfish seem funny right while talking about a 360 hard flip <sighs> the 360 hard flips are pretty funny looking if you just think about that physically i, I can't picture that the whole hard flip thing always confused me like what that is. The front side shove it like a kickflip. It like rolls over your foot. Right? They can be pretty ugly or they can be the sickest flip trick there is. I've seen some like analysis of like if you're doing the hard flip right, how it's supposed to look versus like how to do it the bullshit way. I've landed three hard flips in my life. Really? Yeah. What's well, three more than me, my friend? I never did a kickflip. They were the, the ugliest hard flips probably ever done. That analysis you watched would would be disgusted. I saw a video on Jankum saying that 2013 was the year that broke skateboarding. 
Like you're you're, saying, everything you're the changed. Flip. Oh no, no, you're the hard flip. Why? I don't know. Like a bunch of LGBT stuff happened, and I don't know. This, <laughs> this is, is a you, pretty right wing take. You gotta read. No, no, pro pro LGBT stuff. Like that was when the first trans skater had a video part and stuff like that. So like I, I don't know. It was like kind of weird to see them like really saying like, look at 2013. Look at what an important year that is. Because I have no reverence uh, for 2013. I don't remember anything. I thought at first you were saying like 2013 is when the gays came in and ruined it. They were trying to castrate the Am Riders on Spitfire. <laughs> And make them pussies. Like, I, I don't know. The but, thing that stands out to me more than anything is like that is fucked up in the history of skateboarding is when the Baker videos had people doing coke in like motel rooms. Yeah. The Baker boys, the fucking piss drunks. I look back at that and I'm like, how the fuck? Like your your audience is children. Why would you do that? We got so much shit for putting weed in BMX videos and yeah. shit at the time. We never would have thought about putting any kind of like actual hard drugs in there. But it worked. I remember when I was yeah. in sixth grade. It worked dude, on us. We loved it. Dude, when I was in sixth grade, I would stencil the Piss Drunks logo all over my notebooks. Mm. I, I thought they were so cool. Like Jim Greco, Andrew Reynolds, Dustin Dolan. Right. Those were the guys. So it worked. I mean, they were on the cover of Rolling Stone. Yeah. They were on the cover. It was stained that was on the cover, but it said, check out skateboarding's punk rock crew. Right. And they were, they had a big article in Rolling Stone about like these guys being rock stars. I know. And it just seems so fucked up when you think about how young that audience is. Even though it's real, so I get it. And it's not like, I mean, there's not that much pressure on rappers to not talk about lean and pills and shit, right? Like, it's like they, they're doing it, so like, what's the difference? But I don't know. I just think of skateboarding and BMX as just, like, younger subcultures, and that shit just seems so foul to, yeah. like, be, like, showing kids, like, oh, this is what it looks like to be snorting coke off a plate in a mm -hmm. motel room, mm -hmm. and it's so badass that this dude's video part that he worked on for three years might only have 20 seconds of B-roll throughout the whole thing, but that's going to be one of the B-roll clips. Sure, sure, sure. I don't know. And then it gets into a kid's head. It's like, oh, that's how you throw a hammer down Hollywood High. I got to do cocaine. I mean, if I didn't grow up listening to so much rap music, there's a pretty good chance that I would have spared a lot of the brain cells that I lost to opiates and whatnot. The rap music influenced you negatively? Definitely. Uh, you, yeah. seem, you seem like you're doing okay. Yeah, I'm doing all right now. Your scar looks almost non-existent, too. You can't see it? That healed up really well. Yeah, you look good, dude. I think about that the other day. Yeah, I was just thinking you look the most handsome you've ever looked on that chair. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's that pre-marriage gloom, glow, not gloom, glow. Pre-marriage glow, yeah. yeah. You know, a lot of people, like, get cold feet at the last minute and stuff. Like, I had a few people mention that to me. Uh -huh. Like, you have any, any kind of, you know, you're getting cold feet? I'm like, no. I'm, like, what? very thankful that this is happening. Like, it seems like, if anything, I should be worried about the other side getting cold feet. We'll see. You still got a lot of time to get cold feet, dude. Like 10 days. You could, I mean, think about this, dude. What if you fucking, your plane veered off and you just like told your private pilot, because I know you're taking a private jet. Hell no. Like, hey, let's Probably cost like a quarter million dollars to Amsterdam, fly private dude. to Italy, bro. Amsterdam. The fucking, you and I would pull some money, go private. Oh, hell no. Get a couple of whores on the I plane. I would never last fly private. I didn't even fly first class out there. I got the middle one, the business one. Mm -hmm. I'm just, first class too much. I'm sorry. Fucking crazy. Yeah, I... Uh, I'm just not that kind of person. I'm not trying to be that kind of person. I want to save my money. Yeah, I... Hmm, I've never flown private. Have you flown private? No. That's kind of a fantasy. I saw a Learjet takeoff from an airport today, and yeah. I was like, I wonder what fucking rich motherfuckers on that. Because I see Nelk and Steve will do it, flying private all the time. Right. I'm going to be on there. I'm going to pull my dick out on that private jet, too. <sighs> not in the lavatory. I've been watching this golf reality show on Netflix. I've never played golf. Never even known someone who played golf besides my dad. That's impressive. That's the, you'd never. Known. I mean, probably I have, but they don't talk to me about golf. You know, Flacco doesn't play golf. I have. I assume he competes in no sports. But 
<laughs> well, coffee can still be not in great shape. Uh, I don't know. I'm just like really intrigued by it because it's, it, you know, it's a fucking tournament every weekend to uh-huh. like see who's going to be able to like get the highest score or whatever. And it's fucking really engaging. But these guys are the most square motherfuckers on earth. There's one guy who's like, I wish I remember his name, but he's like the freak show of the golf circuit because he wears like bright pink fucking flannel pants or whatever. Yeah, he dresses like a little bit edgier. He's he'll, crazy. He'll wear like a beanie instead Ooh. of a fucking traditional golf hat so everybody yeah. acts like he's fucking crazy, bro. Yeah. And, but they fly private everywhere. And there's one guy that was, I've been watching this show. I have to keep watching to figure out what happens to him. But I mean, you know, you win a golf tournament, you win like $3 million, yeah. $2 million, whatever. This guy has the hottest wife you've ever seen. Smoking hot model chick. And she's kind of like talking about his career. She's like, yeah, like at first he was winning so much and now he just keeps losing. And it kind of makes me wonder like what what life is going to be like if he's like not a professional golfer anymore. It's like you're here because he's a professional golfer. It's your job to hold him down once he's a fucking failure, which is probably going to happen, right? That doesn't sound good. You're not just going to be a goat forever. Yeah, that doesn't. That sounds like a wife who's going to be blowing Phil Mickelson in short order. Well, I don't even know where these girls come from. Like, where do you meet like the hottest chick on earth as a, a new golf professional? Because they must be lining up. It's got to be like all these other sports where the girls just like want to be with you so bad. You know what we should do, dude? We should start a private eye business where we like we test bitches' fidelity for rich men. Like, we have guys who. So here's how it goes. We're going like, to use Leo. We, we use fucking Leo. Like <laughs> if, if Leo tells us he's got a fucking girlfriend and Leo wants to pay us all the money he has to mm-hmm. test whether or not she's faithful, we fucking, uh, we have like Christian, Cristiano Ronaldo lookalikes. We have a guy who looks like Drake mm-hmm. and we fucking like, we pop them up in the best booth at like Delilah or something. And we have the fake Drake, like summon <laughs> insert name here's girlfriend into the booth. If your girl will fuck fake Drake, that's so amazing. <laughs> As someone who actually knows this guy. Oh. And then, uh, I mean, like, if we if we catch him doing some shady shit in the champagne room, we have a guy with, like, and we do it old school, like, hard-boiled mm. detectives. He's got, like, a fucking, he's got to develop the pictures in a dark room and shit. It's like, psh, psh, there's a cloud of smoke that comes out of the camera. And he has to dash away. Yeah, yeah, yeah you can't do it with an iPhone, dude. Right. With no, like, closed circuit surveillance. We do it fucking old school. And then we come in with a stack of fucking pictures in a manila envelope and just throw it on the coffee table in mm-hmm. front of you. So there's a lot of suspense before you know whether or not your chick's a dirty whore. Right. Dude, oh my god, you just made me realize something or remember something. I wish I could tell you who. Uh, it wouldn't mean anything if I told you who. But, like, there's a porn couple that I know. They've been together for long time i never thought they were gonna break up and a random hairstylist just told me that they broke up and i was just like whoa like even though it should not surprise me at all at this point in my career i'm just just astonished that you guys seem like you were so happy together and you were both banging other people and it seemed like it was gonna be great and it didn't work out i just couldn't believe it everything always seems so perfect with this couple hmm maybe there's gonna be some ring doorbell footage that leaks soon i mean i will fuck you up if they were married i don't know but, yeah, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Did you see what uh, Tucker Carlson got fucking uh, fired for? The the Dominion claims and the texts and that okay. stuff, right? Or was there something else in particular? The text that, he, that they actually found right before they fired him. Uh-huh. He was talking to one of his producers, and he was basically talking about a video clip that he had seen of three Trump supporters beating the shit out of an Antifa dude, right? Mm-hmm. And he was saying how when he saw the video, he liked it so much. And in his head, he was thinking, like, 
I want to see them brutalize this guy and how he didn't like the fact that he was feeling that way, right? The, 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 you know, he sort of had this bloodlust when he was watching the Santifa kid get beat up. And that, that's not the offensive part. The offensive line that he said in the context of talking about that was he said, white men don't fight like this. That was his, his thing. What, that they what were the colors of everybody involved? I'm pretty sure that everybody involved was white. But that was that was the thing that was deemed too far gone for Fox is mm-hmm. that he said white men don't fight like this, which it does kind of clue you into a bit of his worldview, mm-hmm. which is that I don't know. I, I think that the suspicion about Tucker Carlson because he talks uh, he talks a lot about the Great Replacement essentially without mm-hmm. necessarily naming it that, and he talks a lot about you know just just things that make you feel like is this guy like reading mm-hmm. white supremacist websites and mm-hmm. papers and stuff because a lot of the stuff he says mm-hmm. kind of sort of seems to like mirror some of that shit mm-hmm. and even you've, you've I, I was reading this New York Times article about Tucker Carlson and they said that like leaders of the daily stormer these like big white white power organizations basically look at Tar- tucker carlson as someone who's kind of like smuggling their ideology into the mainstream but when you read that one line it sort of makes you realize like oh okay tucker carlson does believe that there is something inherently superior about mm-hmm. white people or even just an expectation that white people should handle themselves a certain way mm-hmm. and i think that that connection was probably just a little too much for Fox to take, which is mm-hmm. kind of fascinating that that was what pushed it over. It was mm-hmm. a secret remark that they thought might come out in discovery mm-hmm. in the course of that trial. And I mean, essentially they paid $800 million. I think it was a yeah. billion dollars so that they wouldn't have to have that hard conversation. Yeah. For people we who don't know that Tucker Carlson and Fox, basically Fox news, multiple hosts made claims about the voting systems and how they might have been subject to rigging during the 2020 election, and that might explain Joe Biden's victory. I don't know the exact details, but basically the company that makes the voting machines sued the network and won to the tune of $800 million. And Tucker Carlson was one of the most responsible guys for pushing those claims. That he didn't, it seems, believe himself. And when you look at his commentary behind the scenes, it's like he was promoting Trump as if he was the greatest thing since sliced bread. Mm -hmm. But then when you actually look at what he was saying behind the scenes, he was saying this man is a destroyer Mm -hmm. or this, you know, basically saying that he thought he was going to be bad for the Republican Party in the long term. I just, dude, every time I read the L.A. Times, I'm just like, okay, this headline is is propaganda. Like, this is, they're being dishonest, too. Right. But because being on the right and being, like, the most popular television host on the right, mm. people are just going to have, I mean, there's going to be multiple fucking bullseyes on you at all times. Yeah, definitely. And, and that, but that's a big part of Tucker Carlson's message uh, is basically, like, they, meaning the liberals and the mm-hmm. media, they want, they, they think that you're racist mm-hmm. and you're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you should fight like hell against them because mm-hmm. you are not a racist, mm-hmm. which is undermined by undermined by his text. Yeah, yeah. And, and the fact that like so many of the things that he says kind of seem to like mirror white power talking points, but I don't know. I would like, I would like to read like a real honest defense of Tucker Carlson as well. I would like to also see all I want to see a compilation of everything he's ever said that is a a dog whistle Mm. to the Daily Stormer crowd, because a lot of what you hear about Tucker Carlson is filtered through left wing 
sources saying he's doing those things. I have never consumed a piece of Tucker Carlson content where I've been like, oh, dude, that's too far. That actually is kind of racist. Never have myself. I knew we were going to have this conversation today, so that's why last night I was like reading fucking New York Times articles under the covers while my girl slept peacefully right Uh, next to me, and I'm just sitting there like... (laughs) (laughs) Cock in one hand, New York Times in the other. (laughs) But I've had this done to me where I have had, you know, uh, left-wing media uh, powerhouses basically like, you know, come up with a bunch of bullshit to accuse me of being a racist or at least being hospitable to racist and from my perspective in those articles almost nothing that is being said is true yes whereas i'm kind of sitting here reading this new york times article about tucker carlson and i'm kind of giving the author a a good deal of the benefit of the Mm -hmm. doubt and i know that that's a mistake Mm -hmm. i know that i need to be more skeptical about what i'm willing to believe and i need to see the other side the problem kind of being though is that like are you really trusting the right wing media to offer like a really fair defense of Tucker Carlson? I don't know who on the right I would really trust to be able to uh, state that case for me. Yeah, I think the best way to do it is just to consume both sources and then make your own opinion because the left definitely has a tendency to jump logically. Mm -hmm. Like Ron DeSantis doesn't want third graders to be indoctrinated into any ideology. He's banning books is what the left says. Uh, Oklahoma makes it so you can't give a 10 year old puberty blockers and they're targeting trans children. Mm. That's the headline that I just read in the LA times today. So logically they always like to fucking play checkers and hop. And that's what it seems to me like they have done to Tucker Carlson. In some cases, I didn't see the text you're referring to. I would like to see it in its full context because um, I, I can get you the full thing if you want, but it, it, yeah, not, it, not me, not here. It is weird because it's like the whole thing doesn't really read as racist. And then that one line yeah. reads as racist. And it just makes you wonder like, okay, so what else do you say behind the scenes? Yeah. It just, I mean, I was drinking with some of my buddies in San Francisco this weekend and it was just like four guys I've known for a long time. And we were saying some fucking off color shit, dude. And it made me realize like, so the stuff you can do on YouTube is pretty tame. Comedy clubs go off, dude. You can be really offensive in fucking comedy clubs, mm-hmm. which is like something I didn't know until I started doing stand up recently, but four college buddies in a bar, dude, that is fucking offensive. Mm-hmm. And that's why I sort of give anybody the benefit of the doubt. If they're saying something that is being like picked up and just, a couple of lines are being used in a news article because dude like what if there was a security camera in the taco shop that we were fucking eating in while we were hammered this weekend right that's one thing that our like current discourse doesn't really allow for is the idea that people could be joking yeah and that's why like whenever anyone has ever tried to say anything about you it's like he's joking like he's he's it's a comic uh, yeah. comedic video yeah yeah and i for me i have to give him a extremely long leash when it comes to anything that is that was said under the guise of trying to be funny yeah even if i don't really think it's funny in that moment like having that conversation of oh well this is this is offensive and this is not okay and i don't care if it was a joke it's not funny it's not okay to joke around about those things i don't agree with any of that i think if anything we should joke around about as many things as possible Mm -hmm. and like you know it just feels like such an unfair thing when people are trying to jump all over comedians for not making the right jokes or joking around about the wrong kind of things yeah yeah, yeah. No, it sucks, dude. It yeah. sucks. Fucking limiting on uh, basically not these days. If anybody says something really off color, it just makes you fucking laugh that much harder because it's so taboo. Right. Wait, are you still you're still single? Um. Yeah. Yeah. How's that going? It's going. Um, I saw a leaked photo of you having having uh, some some food with a certain ex-girlfriend. How'd you recognize me? 
you were wearing an awesome shit shirt, actually. <laughs> we, we gave you some merch one time, and it turns out you wore it a bunch of times. I wear it basically every time I'm on the show, even on some dates. We, uh, we, thank you for asking me about that. Yeah, I did. We did. I did link up with my ex. It was nice, and um, she actually blew me in the bathroom of Dialogue <laughs> Cafe. Not nah, joking, but we <laughs> joked. We, I was like, you know, it'd be really fucking funny if we like. Um, like airbrushed my hands to make them look like I was a black dude and we put a Super Bowl ring on my finger through Photoshop <laughs> in the story so then just to like get the trolls who hate me to be like you're fucking your girlfriend's fucking Antonio Brown you fucking <laughs> loser just to create some fake controversy based on that photo she shared which was just of my hands eating breakfast I know but like you know how we are like if, if that's out there and it's not specifically being said hey just friends just yeah. hanging out as friends yeah, then yeah. we're gonna read into it at least a little bit yeah yeah, dude, I, I would say that um, that uh, being single uh, well, you know, wasn't wasn't as great as I thought it was going to be. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I'm not saying that I'm like definitively not single anymore, but... Oh, so yeah. you're wishy-washy. I'm a little wishy-washy. You're a little bit... You're stuck in the middle? That's stuck in the middle? Isn't that... Uh, Somewhere between in a relationship and out of a relationship? Uh, you know, I mean, other than the one blowjob and dialogue. No, actually, me and I haven't like hooked up or Was that really yet. a dialogue? It was a dialogue. Yeah. I don't know where dialogue is, but I order fucking breakfast burritos from them almost every weekend. Well, that is about as white of a problem as you could ever have. I, like, thought it was a I don't Korean know geographically spot. where the really expensive cafe is, but I like their burritos. I, where is it? I have uh, no fucking, idea. Uh, a, a person of color brings it to me. And Isn't it's, it, it in Korea? No, it's in West Hollywood. Uh, it's in like the most West Hollywoody West. You go to dialogue. What the employees? Is it a Korean spot or no? It's no, it's not oh, Korean. Okay. It has nothing I don't know to do why with I, Korea. I invented that in my B- head because somehow. you're out of touch, okay? Yeah, because yeah. you're a guy who just pays people to bring you things you put in your mouth, yeah, like Phil's, <laughs> like Phil, exactly, dude. But dude, if you go to Dialogue Cafe, I don't mean to make it seem like I'm changing the subject here from a difficult subject of like relinking with an ex girlfriend, but you will want to punch. 80% of the table's occupants in the face when mm. you go to Dialogue Cafe. Really? It's like that. It is like the most Hollywood spot. There are like, there are people like Mikey, but with more money. Mm. Like kind of like hip with like a cool, like an outfit you can tell they put work into. But they have really expensive jewelry and a car they probably can't afford the payments on. Mm. And like the newest like hype beast fucking drip. And like they will tell you right away about this business they got going on. I'm so glad I've been engaging with this place through Postmates exclusively (laughs) and not in real life. Because like every now and then me and my girl go to Erewhon. Yeah. Now the highest tier grocery store in Los Angeles. For those who don't know, picture if you if you drive the streets of Los Angeles, you see Ralph's, you see Vaughn's. Those are kind of like normal grocery stores. Now you have Below that, you have something like Food for Less. Mm-hmm. You have John's, mm-hmm. which is the Armenian bootleg Vons. You might, you know, I heard of John's. You don't? You'll see it now that I said it. You're going to see it. But like, you know, but then you have a bit nicer uh, is is Gelson's. Gelson's is above those. Let, let's break this down. Where is Trader is Joe's? That. Where's Trader Joe's? But Trader Joe's is inexpensive. They it could be. It's actually very cheap, which is weird. They don't jack up their prices like Whole Foods and fucking uh, and, and Erewhon. But its branding is above Safeway yes. and Vons. And it feels very special. And a lot of like celebrities and stuff. When I was yeah. interviewing the game, the rapper who you yeah. probably never heard of, he you know he's a huge. He has a Trader Joe's it? group chat with a bunch of his buddies. Hmm. Where they send like, oh, you got to get the peanut butter pretzel c- cakes. You know, you got to like get this. You got to get that. I was, I could not believe it when he told me that. That is good PR for fucking Trader Joe's. That's fucking sick. Free promotion. But yeah. yeah, you like you can go pick up chicks at Trader Joe's, right? And you can't go pick up chicks at Albertsons unless you like 
chain smoking 45 year old fat chicks the demographic is too normie yeah. versus where if you go to galson's or whole foods or, or erewhon you're starting to get into the it feels like the club yeah because at erewhon let me just put this perspective people out there how much does it cost you to go buy a small container of strawberries i like, like to turn to the camera there yeah, that was nice picture, you're really connecting picture this i don't know how much it weighs but i'm gonna say that at the average grocery store and the average heart of america it might be like four dollars worth of strawberries like okay. a, a yeah. nice sure. little box sure sure erewhon will gladly charge you 24 dollars happily for that same fucking thing of strawberries sure now, granted, when you are looking at them, you are kind of like, well, these do look like really fucking good strawberries, but it is five times more than you're, six times more than you're used to pay, paying in most of the country. They're probably organic. They're probably not going to have pesticides on them. A Honduran probably didn't have to die to get those across the border mm. when you buy them at Gelson's. Right. Which I don't care about. Some people care about that. Yeah. I'd rather pay four ninety nine for the the ones with blood stains on them. Bro, it gets worse. These little packets of mangoes that I buy, the dried mango with the, chi with the chili <laughs> oh, yeah. sauce. You still buy them, even though they're thirty eight bucks. She's gotten me hooked on all this shit, bro. <laughs> and now I realize that if I were to like return to like eating normal fucking food, I I, I don't even know where I would be begin because it's like if I if I go back to normal ass eggs that aren't like you know thirteen dollars a cardner. I actually have no idea what she pays for those, but like you know, because she, <laughs> she how much is a quart of milk. I don't know, but like it's her her <laughs> anticipation of the wedding has her on the super super clean diet, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's eating like fifty dollars worth of steak for a meal. Yes. Now she might not eat the whole entire thing, but she's probably eating you know, at least like thirty five forty dollars worth of steak. It's just steak in a fucking package, it's shrink wrap, but it's like the best quality meat ever. And there's a fucking article that came out the other day on uh, some website. You can search it up. It's called like. Meet the people working three full-time jobs so that they can afford Erewhon. You will not believe that these people are real and exist in Los Angeles. It is fucking mind-blowing. People who are working three jobs, making $50,000 a year, and they are spending like $500 a week yes. buying Erewhon. And they fucking hang out at Dialogue Cafe, too. I, I, same that, people. That dude. is how we got here. Yeah. Same people. Same exact type. That is, why is that? And you know what sucks about it, too, is I had conversations with my girlfriend when we were together, and she would tell me about some of her friends and their new boyfriends. Yeah. And what the new boyfriends were doing they're like oh you know uh, Haley's new boyfriend um he just uh, booked her a trip to uh, Cozumel and they're going they're staying at the Four Seasons he bought a new car too he bought a Mercedes-Benz S-Class and I'm like oh yeah uh, what does he do uh, he deals weed <laughs> oh okay okay this, this guy sounds like a natural Warren Buffett in terms of his financial planning here but that keeping up with the Joneses shit is real because I remember my girl and me we were in London 2019 i'm gonna say and i was with uh, a couple of my employees at the time and i was banging out like we had like a week in london after this music festival and i think i did like 15 or 20 interviews throughout the course of like five days so it's basically like going in doing all these interviews going home immediately after just studying for the next day's fucking interviews didn't have anybody helping me with questions or anything it's pretty insane and there's this girl that my girl's friends with who's like a porn star she, they've been talking on instagram whatever they go to meet up and the girl has like you know the nicest christian dior bag you've ever seen they hang out the next day boom a different christian dior bag different jewelry different super expensive dress or whatever and my girl's kind of like getting the the feeling from the girl that like oh she's wondering why i'm not living this sort of lifestyle since mm -hmm. you know my girl makes a lot of fucking money off only fans she yeah. could have you know 18 different handbags in rotation if she wanted to but she mm -hmm. just doesn't really think of it like that 
And then the girl came over to the Airbnb that we were staying at and took a look at it. And there was no hiding her horror. She couldn't believe because this place was, I don't know, like it wasn't that much. It was like mm -hmm. the person working for me who booked it, booked it as if we were booking, you know, a, a, a trip for a couple of, you know, BMX mm -hmm. hooligans or yeah, fucking yeah. just some like random homies hanging out or whatever. And in, in that sense, you know, we're doing YouTube interviews. We're not making some crazy amount of money while we're out here. We shouldn't be balling out and buying some super expensive fucking flat to stay in. But, you know, apparently it wasn't up to snuff. And my girl still brings it up yeah. of like, yeah, like I, I want to go to London, but I don't want to stay in a place like the one we stayed in last time. Yeah, yeah. The, the shower like wouldn't get hot and stuff. Like it really was pretty fucking lowbrow yeah, when I yeah. think about it now. But I mean, what would the other, would it have been fair for me to be like, oh, me and Leonard are going to go stay at the fucking nicest hotel or our nice hotel. And then instead, you know, you guys could just stay at this hostel or whatever no that wouldn't have been good leadership that wouldn't have been good either but that's what these rappers do bro they stay in a super nice spot and they make their entire team 20 rooms uh, at a fucking shithole down the street not you gotta you gotta take care of your posse otherwise they won't dive in front of a bullet for you yeah but, but in that case i feel like taking care of your posse is so expensive that like you know it's just it's not happening it's like not possible i sleep in a room with my guys on the road we all share a room that's fair. See, yeah. I respect that. That, yeah. that was where my mentality was at at the time. It was like, even the fact that we had a spot with, you know, three rooms so that me and Lena have a room, this one person has a room, the other person has a room. To me, that's kind of baller. Because mm -hmm. on all those BMX trips over the years, yeah. oh, we have nine guys in the yeah. van? Oh, okay, we're going to okay. get one hotel room, uh -huh. and then we're going to make sure it's like a motel or whatever so that there's there's not really eyeballs on the outside of the room so yeah. we can let people come in and shifts and yeah, whatnot. Yeah. You know, maybe not nine. Maybe if we had nine people, we might get two rooms, like at least towards the later end when we started to make some money off YouTube and stuff. Nine's but, pushing it. I used yeah. to play paintball, and we'd go to tournaments playing paintball, mm -hmm. and we'd stuff like nine guys in a room. Yeah. There'd be four dudes on the floor of the Motel 6. Shout out to broke subcultures. You got to respect that, right? Paintball, <laughs> it probably isn't more degenerate than BMX, but I think it gives it a run for its money mm. in the degeneracy. Is there money to be made? There is money to be made in paintball. No. Really? No. No, really? there's got to be more to be the top writer. At least Dave Mira got a video game. Right. All right. There was no Ollie Lang's pro paintballer. That so, was 25 years ago. Dave Mira. Yeah. Like I don't BMX has like shrunken over the years, I believe. And I think that like Dave Mira getting a video game probably was like one of those last great moments. Where sure. it's like, and keep in mind, Dave Mira and Matt Hoffman both had video games at the same time. But think about the video game market now is that like, I guess Tony Hawk will still have a game come out yeah. every however many years, but like, you know, skate, it'll take them fucking 10 years to put out a new one. Like, yeah. like video games are so good that they just don't feel the need to release over and over and over. If Grand Theft Auto could be so gigantic 10, 15 years after it came out, right? Like, I don't know. Yeah, they got pretty heavy there for a while. Remember when there was a Tony Hawk's Pro Skater coming out every year and then yeah. it had to go to like underground and wasteland? Yeah. That got excessive. And then the, the cash cow was so big for insert name of guys pro insert sport remember sean murray's pro wakeboarding there was <laughs> really? a fucking wakeboarding sean game. murray sean murray wow. he was good he, he was one of those guys who had sort of a quirky personality i used to play told a couple uh, of funnies i used to play cool boarders all the time before they came out with like name brand snowboarding games was that in an arcade where you had to stand on the fake board no i would just rented for playstation or, or i bought it for playstation that sounds unplayable yeah it was huge at the time though 
I don't remember it. I would, 1998, you were probably kind of still in your dad's ball sack, right? <laughs> no. No. I'm a 33-year-old man. Okay, I've got six years on you. So I was 14 and you were eight. And I, at that a point. A wee little baby. I, I was a, a wee little child who was already jerking his wee-wee like there was no tomorrow. Right. But Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 broke right around that time. And that's mm. what got me into skateboarding. I got a Pikachu board and my wrist guards. Mm. And I went to the Maidu Skate Park and I was trying to learn how to pop shove it. Wow. Backside, not front. No. I don't. Backside? I'm trying to picture. Like, I can imagine, like, grinding a ledge backside. But pop shove it backside is what? Like, you kick it. Like, Ironically, never, never mind, never mind. Uh, yeah, the, the audience, I'm sure, is super engaged. But a backside pop shove it is the easiest trick in skateboarding. And front side, ironically, is when you pop the board to your backside. But you know how fucking skaters, everything needs to be confusing as fuck, so they call it a front side shove it. Yeah, I never really got the trick names down so well. Sometimes it, it, I watch skate videos and try to like name the tricks in my head, and I feel like I could get like 30% accuracy. That's pretty low. I'm okay at the grinds, but okay, if someone's going fakey, everything's out the window. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. all of a sudden, it's like, okay, I thought I understood what your stance was. Maybe this is your stance. Were you really going fakey the first shit? I don't know. It, it probably wouldn't be the worst thing for the world if we held a fake X Games and it was indoors, and then when we got everybody inside, we just fucking, it turned out to be a gas chamber. <laughs> Like rollerbladers, scooter riders, skaters, BMX. I'm sorry, buddy. Your subculture is not spared. Paintballers. The, the, the scooter kids are not coming to the X Games. They know that's not a sincere invite. <laughs> because they've all been them too, they've all been trying to get sponsored and get recognized. Because, uh, like, think about it. If you're Red Bull and you're sponsoring mountain bikers, you're sponsoring BMXers, skateboarders, snowboarders, uh, every mainstream uh, different sport or, like, you know, alternative sport, they fuck with it. Mm -hmm. including weird ass shit they sponsor parkour dudes they mm -hmm. sponsor all kinds of shit scootering is huge it is very very i don't know if it's as huge as it used to be but i remember like 10 years ago it was like scary as it was a bmx rider and as a skateboarder you would go to the skate park and it would be astonishing how many yeah. kids there were and then i would hear about it in australia and the uk and how much fucking worse it was that you you could not go to a skate park for five minutes without fucking having hundreds and hundreds of scooter kids everywhere i don't know if it's still like that but based on that standard you would think that red bull would be happy to fuck with them mm -hmm. no never did it and probably wisely so because Agreed. i think too a lot of sco uh, skate kids bmx kids snowboard kids i mean i respect scooters but in terms of their image, like, I don't know if they would have survived. Very There's well. an image problem, yeah. which is it's strange because usually people get into shit because of the image. It's like, why do people like this rock band? Probably because the guys look pretty cool playing mm. the guitars and behind the mic. Why do you like this rapper? I'm sure he's got a, like a sick image and his lyrics are unique. The, it's weird that the most popular extreme sport is the one guaranteed to get you the least amount of pussy. But there's all these like different categories of things that people get into before they really go through puberty or before they really get into the mind state of getting pussy, you know, like you don't become a Minecraft player to get ass. Nowadays? So you, you don't really become a Minecraft player at 21. It's, yeah. it's the kind of thing where you kind of like have to get into it when you're young and you're not thinking about being cool or whatever. Yeah. And I would say that scooters are almost kind of like the same thing, but it's also like, you could you could skateboard like okay to learn to even just skate around the skate park with a decent amount of speed never mind to be able to throw a fucking kickflip on a on a quarter pipe this is a multiple year project yeah whereas if you're a scooter kid like i've seen how how this works in kids heads because it's like oh you want to do a fly out tail whip at the skate park 
many years of hard work if you want to be able to do that. You have to be strong. A flyout tail whip? That's hard, bro. I think I went on a bike. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I think you meant on a scooter. No, it's no, kind no. Of the same shit. But that's what I'm saying. On a scooter, yeah. it, it, and I don't get it because I've tried to do it and it doesn't fucking swing around the right way for me, but these kids get into it and they can fucking do a scooter. They could do a tail whip like no problem. So it's just so much easier and so much more functional. But then I also think they don't go from the scooter to skateboarding because it's infinitely fucking harder mm-hmm. on average mm-hmm. but the culture is so important when it comes to all extreme sports like if you want skateboarding to really like thrive somewhere it's like there just has to be skate shops there has to be people who are yeah. into it it's like it's just hard to get into it in a vacuum you think there's um you think there's like a dustin dolan of scootering there's like a 16 year old <laughs> kid he's like a deathbed alcoholic i wonder because it feels like they get out of it like like early 20s or something but like when i do click on skate uh scooter videos on my uh instagram explore page or whatever a lot of times i'll be looking at it and the kids are like they're, they're never grown but they look cool like they they do have some fucking style they use cool music they edit it cool so like they've figured out how to make it look cool in so many ways but I don't know that, but I think that they are constantly aware of the fact that the outside world does not think that this is cool in any significant way. And I wonder how big it is still. I mean, it's just the word. What do you do professionally? I ride a scooter. Yeah. <laughs> but dude, scooter. I like, okay. So with my kid, she's got little bikes with like fucking, you know, uh, training wheels or whatever. Cause like people just love to bring you this shit. So we have like, you know, four different bikes at the house that she could choose from that's, on any given day. That's what I have as your wedding gift. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just explain. a bike that we have to bring on the plane. <laughs> you got it. And if you, if you fucking ever get rid of it, I'm going to be upset too. All right. Okay. That is good to know. But then also like, you know, she's got like a little, little scooter thing. It's just so much easier. She can hold it. She puts one foot on. She's yeah, starting yeah. to be able to kind of scoot, get a little bit of speed going. Yeah, yeah. In comparison to like riding a bike without the training wheels or a skateboard, it's just like like she gravitates towards the scooter because it's just like it's hard to fall. Yeah. A bike, you're gonna fall. Yeah, and like a scooter, like all you have to do to catch air is just go. Bloop. Yeah. Whereas like ollieing on a skateboard is hard. Yeah, I've never ollied a a scooter, but I know that I could. Yeah, I, I, I know think... I could easily get that thing off the ground. Probably, I, I feel like I could ollie a fucking milk crate right now yes. if I had some proper shoes. It's this, <laughs> not Birkenstocks. The Birkenstocks aren't going to do it. It's, I mean, it's the same thing as a bike, but twice as easy. Yeah, it's like doing a bunny hop on a bike, but you're on the moon. Yeah, and instead of your feet being on these pedals that are like relatively high up. It's like, no, you're basically standing on the ground. Yeah, yeah. So, like, the risk is taken away. Yeah. This big piece of machinery is not going to fall on you. I wonder how much of our El Toro conversation we just redid. Because remember, we were talking about the El Toro scooter backflip kit? I don't think much. I, I think we're like, <laughs> I think my take back then was, I think I was very dismissive of scooters, but we really just got into, like, why scooters suck. I wonder if we could get, like, a, a scooter dude to come in and kind of give us, like, a class. Like, like, That'd be unbelievable. Like, here are, like, you have five exhibits to convince us that scooters are super badass. I'm already kind of convinced. I already think that they're kind of cool in a, in a way. I think you're too trusting, dude. I think you, I think you give your stamp of approval to lame shit. Mm. I think it um, I think it starts with like the little nerdy ball game you play. Yeah. I think that's a gateway drug to liking whack shit. Mm. I like the ball game's cool, but I mean a ball game is just a, a skip and a hop away from thinking razors are badass. And right now you think razor scooters are badass. The thing about the the kendama is that there are infinite things you can learn with it. And you can do it 
in a situation where there's almost no risk of, of uh, you know, getting hurt or anything. And you can grab it and you can play with it for two minutes and then just put it down and it's no big deal, which is like that's very fundamentally different than like BMX skateboarding. You got to go to a skate park, snowboarding. You got to drive to a fucking mountain. So you look at that as an extreme sport, what you do with a little ball. I don't want to use the word extreme, but it like very. You just, you just lump, lumped it in with snowboarding and skateboarding. Okay, but to me and to every other person who does Kandama, it's incredibly obvious that it fills and scratches the exact same itch as BMX, skateboarding, snowboarding, etc. Because you're taking something inanimate and you're going from it just being this boring ass thing like a bike or a skateboard that, you know, is a mode of transportation. And then you're you're finding a way to do something on it that's very technical, precise, very difficult and it gives you that sense of satisfaction. And like that's what got me into the Kandama is once I started to like have that feeling of learning, all of a sudden I just it, it just started to scratch the same exact thing as BMX. But with BMX, it's like I'm old, my fucking back hurts, I don't want to get hurt, I don't have time. So I was able to just sort of mess around with that at the office or at the store back in the day and get that same exact feeling. Damn. That was an incredible pitch, actually, for a Kandama. And that's why it doesn't surprise me when I see like skateboard dudes who genuinely get into it yeah humans what is it that we are just so that seems to be the point of life we just have to have we have something in us that just needs to progress mm. hence martial arts hence people who keep want to keep growing their business or get better at doing flip tricks on a skateboard or whatever lame shit you do with the kandama and, and my, the same. my question my thing that i think about a lot is it's kind of easy to find something that you like enough to do it for the rest of your life wouldn't you say? Anal. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you an example, like video games. I guarantee that I could find plenty of video games that if I got into it, and especially if I was streaming it or making content out of it some way, I could probably play them for the rest of my life. Like if I, like I see people playing fucking Grand Theft Auto on stream sometimes, and I'm like, oh, yeah, if I got into that, that could be the next 10 years of my life. Yeah. For uh -huh. sure. San Andreas, I probably spent a good two years of my youth playing Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Dude. See, I didn't because I already knew myself so well at that point that I knew that if I started playing this fucking game that it would take over my life. Because I'm like that with poker, where I could easily spend the next 10 years doing nothing but playing poker. And it's, I think it would be bad for my development as a human being. It would probably be a waste of my potential. But I do think that that opportunity would be like right there and that I could imagine myself enjoying myself. Um being able to make some sort of living off of it and, you know, feeling to some extent fulfilled. I just don't know that it's the wisest use of your time mm -hmm. on earth, but it does feel like by the time people get to like later into their life, you know, I know guys who are in their fifties or sixties who it seems like they just go and fucking play poker every day. And that's mm -hmm. just kind of their whole mm -hmm. life. And they're perfectly happy with it. I don't know that that's the best use of your time when you're 39. I feel like at 39, you still need to be like working. Mm -hmm. No, totally agree. Yeah, that's the art of life, isn't it? You got to find someone vaping. Yeah, I smell. It smells terrible. It's, it's probably amazing. Sydney, dude. Yeah. Sydney, it smells like a Sydney, like chick vape. No, she gives us the thumbs down. But that's someone's vaping. Out it smells there. like a hookah, honestly, dude. Is there a Turkish guy in the building? It does. It smells like a fucking hookah, dude. Who we got? We got to find the guy with the turban who likes to kill Armenians and tell him to stop. If what this room smoking? explodes? Uh huh. He's just got a, that, that's not even anything. That's it's, like a roach. Okay, dude, we're, we're, I don't want to get too far off track. What were you saying? I was saying that, uh, that basically like the art of life is you got to find a combination of what you like to do, what has a positive financial outlook, right. what at your age is still plausible, meaning you and I can't be pro athletes, mm. 
like finding all of that and making those calculations like, well, poker, maybe I can make a good living at it, but it's probably going to be capped at some level. Mm. Not the best use of my time, given my skill sets. We're going to write that one off. I could be a professional scooter rider. Oh, wait, they all disappear after age of 21 (laughs) and none of them get laid. Not doing that. Mm. Well, you and I have already put in and like most of the kids making these calculations are like, Mike, well, Mike, you're not that young, but like. Well, I had to make this calculation when I was in my early 20s, and I remember it getting really, really fucking stressful because you got to be like, my college window is about to close. I got to go to college or not go to college. I got to figure out, am I going to grad school? Am I committing to having a bunch of fucking debt? Am I going the artistic route? In your early 20s, like that art becomes really crucial of doing what you just described. Yeah, definitely. And I always just think about the dudes that I was around when I was younger who were in hardcore bands and stuff. That's a good future. Well, yeah, there's not much of a future in it, right? But you can understand how in that moment, it feels like a great idea. Yeah. You go on tour, you get to hang out with a bunch of girls, you get to be this cool guy in the band, meet people all the time. On stage. But then I would see some people who would like, you know, clearly still be enamored with this idea well into their 40s. And in a sense, I don't blame them because it seems like they probably are like, enjoying their life quite a bit day to day. But there also is something that kind of stands out about it to me that it's like, are you sure that this yeah. is what you want to do? Like I'm the dad in that moment. Like, yeah. oh, are you sure this is really what you're gonna do with your fucking life? I yeah, don't yeah. know. Like be you know. a bartender by day, play in a fucking speed punk band at night. Yeah. But at least like there's a life associated around that. There, there's like, you know, if you really love the well, because I know a lot of people have like real jobs and then they also run a band on the side. Yeah. But I'm talking more like, no, like your life is pursuing this band shit, even though you know that you are not going to be financially comfortable from this, like ever. Yeah. yeah. I respect people who are comfortable in their simple life. Mm. Like, I don't, I, that sounds kind of dismissive, but I like the guy who, when we went out, we did a video with this off-road race in Vegas, mm-hmm. and it's a bunch of dudes who, they work at muffler shops, they are bartenders, they work for FedEx delivering packages, but then, when they get off work at Friday at 5 p.m., they have the entire weekend clear-headedness. They're not stressing about work on Monday because they work for a big company, and they are just going to fucking tune up their dune buggy and fucking drive out into the desert and go and get hammered off Coors Light, not Bud Light anymore. Right, Bud Light is gone. Bud Light is gone. That's what I was thinking when I went to this Alcoholics Anonymous uh, meeting recently. I didn't tell you about this, huh? No, no. Are you you having a problem, buddy? Uh, I don't have a problem, but I have a friend who, I'll tell you who it is off camera, but I have a friend who... No. Oh, my God. I would love to go there with him. I have a friend (laughs) who told me about an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting that he goes to, and so I, I went with him. And did you have to make up a story? I did when they were going around. I did say, Adam, alcoholic. Nice. Like, or, or, wow. Clean since 20, since uh, New Year's 2019. That's what I said. Because when Liar. I was coming, I saw this dude that I knew and he told me, he said, Yo, when they come around and they call your name, just say that you're an alcoholic. And I'm like, Okay, like that does sound easier than saying like I'm not an alcoholic. I'm just here because I'm with this guy. Right, right. Yeah, I didn't yeah. want to like take this like moral high ground in front of this whole room full of people. Right. You should have said uh, crackhead. But are you ready for this? Well, yeah, so, yeah. So the reason why I brought that up is just because it was so fascinating to see all these sort of normal guys, and most of them you're not really. They're not saying what they do for a living or whatever. But a lot of them they seem like the guy working at the gas station or the guy working at the Vons or whatever, and they just. They are dealing with something that 
probably you would never in a million years know about, but it's like really traumatic and difficult for them. And they're going in front of a room full of people talking about it. And it was a very uh, valuable experience. You should actually come as long as you promise not to film it with a chest uh, camera or some shit. My name is Danny. I suck dick for meth. Was that too much information? On Yo, you want to know the thing he told me? <laughs> All right. He sucks he, dick for meth. No, he told me he also goes to sex uh, anonymous meetings. Uh, that's or just what, for street cred. Sex addiction, whatever. He told me that a guy, and he told me there's like a very weird dynamic where you go into these sex anonymous meetings or whatever, and you will have girls who are straight up whores <laughs> who just, they're just huge sluts. They just go to the bar and they've, you know, fuck tons of dudes or whatever. Not a, like, not a cool bar though. They go to a pool hall and they fuck truckers. I don't know. I haven't been there, so I'm not really sure exactly what the character is. But then on the other hand, in the same meeting, you have all these guys who are straight gooners who just beat off in their fucking bedroom for 10 hours a day. And yeah. the weird thing he told me is that there isn't really sexual tension between the guys and the girls because to a lot of these guys, trying to fuck with a real life woman would is almost like a waste of time when you mm -hmm. could just be beating your meat for six hours a day in front of the fucking computer. And then for these girls, these guys are like largely the least appetizing sexual partners that they could ever have. But he told me that a guy got up in front of the entire class or, or, or meeting and told everybody that he fucks roadkill. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be a bit. There I mean, had to be a camera. I wanted to ask so many more questions. I haven't actually seen him since, but like, that's what he said is that he got up in front of everybody and said like, yeah, like it's gotten really bad. The other day I fucked some roadkill. I mean, I can't even look at roadkill without <laughs> wanting to fucking throw up. Can you picture this guy scraping it up and forming a fifi with the fucking dead that, squirrel with bones and blood and gravel? And he's just fucking like, what? Yeah, because it's vagina got crushed. That you, you can't access the vagina. Do you think? Oh yeah, I wasn't even thinking about fucking like an actual orifice, but like you gotta I, make a fifi. I was thinking you just you hold it around it? your penis, huh? You think he wets it? I don't know. Like squirts some fucking Jergens all over <laughs> it, so you get a nice coat. But this guy, I'm assuming he's such a sick fuck that he's like actually, you know, like he's he's. He probably likes like the blood and the guts and the cutting and the, you might get a bone down your pee hole, bro. I'm, I have some shit that I can tell you off camera, but this dude told me that there's like a lot of like significant comedians who run AA meetings around LA people that you will know immediately. Uh, okay. And I, that, gonna, I thought you were going to say roadkill fuckers like Chris D'Elia. No, I mean, I, that's just real dark. Dude, you might right fuck some he, fu he fucked a roadkill <laughs> Python, dude. Imagine that was part of the, <laughs> of the accusations against any public figure. If it was just thrown in, he cheated on his wife. He raped a girl in 1992 <laughs> and he fucks roadkill. It's like you would forget about all the other shit. You would just be like, well, let's just really zero in on this roadkill thing. But like, do you like, like, I'm, I'm trying to paint the, the picture for you because I'm, I'm sure that the sex ed meeting was different than the AA meeting that I went to where, you know, it's, it's probably like 50 dudes. Every single dude is drinking black coffee out of the same exact fucking white cup. Mm-hmm. And I'm just picturing if it had been a sex ed meeting and someone had gotten up and actually, not sex ed, but sex addicts, and had actually just said, I fuck roadkill. Do you think you would have it in you to sit there and not laugh? <sighs> and a whole room full of people are going to not laugh? <laughs> like that guy, that might have been Vitaly making a comeback. Like that might have been a YouTuber and there might have been somebody with a hidden cam. The person who told me this would definitely know Vitaly if he was actually the okay. one Okay, it wasn't so, Vitaly. Maybe gonna, he was an up-and-comer. He was motivated. Oh, dude. The fucking road... I still just can't get over it. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, 
part of me wants to get deeper into going to these fucking meetings because it is so fascinating. But then also part of me Edward feels Norton like from Fight Club. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. To get completely hooked on it. Yeah. No, because that was my entire prior knowledge of these meetings was just like, oh, I've seen Fight Club. So I figure I know what this is like. Fight Club is like a huge room. And then there's just like 10 chairs and it's it's dark. And like people are just sitting around in a circle talking to each other. This was different. It's like people going up and doing their little speech. But the one I went to was all guys. Yeah. This is why you got to go to it because uh-huh. you have to become knowledgeable about all the different segments of this shit. Yeah. All guys, no women. Mm-hmm. So then people started telling me during the break where everybody goes and smokes cigarettes. That's another reason I enjoyed it is because I got to smoke a cigarette. But they, they're telling me that like you the meat stayed home and smoked a cigarette. I could, but I would, I would never, you oh. know, I, I would never get a cigarette oh. on my own, but sure. they're, Oh my God. I wish people in my neighborhood smoke cigarettes. So I could just walk over and try to give them a dollar. <laughs> you got a you problem. Dude. You should get a tobacco anonymous. I refuse to buy them. I just I see them and I want one, but they, they told me that the meetings are so different in like silver Lake and shit because it'll be guys and girls. Yeah. Everyone's a fucking hipster. Yeah. So it's just like a weird ass vibe. My, my meeting had like enough old dudes like genuinely 60, 70, 50 years old, whatever, that then you have like a handful of guys who are maybe like, you know, late 20s or like mid 30s or whatever. So like you you might recognize, I, I kind of recognized a bunch of people, but I didn't like really remember who, where I knew him from or whatever. I'm like, is this some guy who was like, coming to the store back in the day and now he's an alcoholic that, I don't guy, know. that guy was fucking a turkey out on the 205 <laughs> i drove by him I swear. Kill turkey. <laughs> <laughs> but uh i don't know yeah because he invited me to another meeting and i i guess i'm gonna go and i'm just dude kinda... you are this is i mean maybe this is genius maybe you are gonna get so deep into the human psyche that you're gonna become like the greatest podcaster of all time but i'm worried that you're gonna join like a neo-fascist organization and you're gonna start blowing up starbucks i would say like a large percentage of the dudes there were Mexican. So, like, it's, it's not like an Aryan Brotherhood fucking Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, which well, a, ABAA, that would be kind of, have a nice yeah. acronym at least. But. I guess, like, were there any, there were some brothers in Fight Club. There were black guys in Fight Club. Cause that's like the point of Fight Club is Edward Norton. It's been a while since I've like looked up the themes of it, but Edward Norton's first life was completely like, unconscionable as far as like living that lifestyle like the the fucking the, you know the blue paisley tie going into work at a car company right. running the formula drinking lattes but then they find a middle ground where they find peace and relief in fighting but then tyler durden his alter ego takes it too far in the other direction hmm. where they are like nazi germany and they all have their heads shaved and they all look alike and the conformity becomes the same on the other end of the of the spectrum too hmm. where instead of filing these papers, they have to go destroy a piece of corporate art and a coffee bar without asking any questions. You know about Sneeko, right? Yeah. Sneeko the other day posted a picture and it got so insanely ratioed. It had like 5,000 quote tweets and like 500 likes, Uh which, you know, that's not how tweets are supposed to look. Yeah. You know, like something really weird must be going on. If a tweet has like a a thousand likes, maybe on average it has like, you know, 20 quote tweets or something because the quote tweets are where you get dissed. Yeah. And so I saw this picture of of Sneeko and, you know, I've hung out with Sneeko multiple times, but it seems like he's kind of gone a little bit more far right as time has gone by, and I'm not sure exactly where he stands. He's probably the, leaned into it now, too. At this point, he's so mega canceled yeah. by the media and stuff that I feel like there's part of him that wants to kind of lean into it. And so there's been a bunch of different photos of him with these groups of guys, and they're not all white because Sneeko's like Cuban or some shit, which we've seen with the Proud Boys, that it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But 
these dudes all have the same haircut. They're all wearing like a tight black shirt. They all kind of look like they could be skinheads or like some sort of fascist yeah. group or some shit. Some sort of Project Mayhem fight club. But he posted one where he tagged everybody. And I'm looking at all the different guys and like just clicking on their pages, just fully expecting them to be like low-key Nazis. <laughs> and they're all like business finance dudes who are like basically like trying to sell you on some course or teach you how to get chicks. And like I saw one of the guys, like his pin tweet was just a video of him giving like you know sex advice i guess and saying like hey bro if you want a girl to fuck with you this is what you do as soon as you get around her you just pull your meat out you just show her your meat and i'm like what the fuck like i'm, I'm really thinking that i'm gonna see some like crazy fascist shit and then he's just giving like bad dating advice and i'm just kind of was that, was that verbatim what the quote tweet said bro, go to sneeko's twitter and scroll down for a little bit and you're gonna be able to find this no problem Maybe we could bring it up on the screen. Can we? Can you turn? Uh, hey, Sydney, thumbs up uh, if, if you like that strategy. An Australian guy just pulling out his—he pulls out his mate. Uh, listen, when you see the cunt, you just gotta pull out the old snikey and introduce it. Bro, to be fair, these guys like are not that popular. You know, they got like twenty k, thirty k on Twitter, whatever it might be. Should I'm coming here and debate John Anthony lifestyle? I'm trying to find this right now so I can show you I this want to hear, fucking guy. I want to hear a cock out guy debate John Anthony lifestyle, dude. Oh, my God. Where is it? Did he take it down? I feel like I'm, like, scrolling through the entire fucking year. <laughs> so many of the things that Snugo retweets end up with the fucking cont uh, with the, uh, content, Twitter notes correction. <laughs> oh, the, the, the community notes? Wow, maybe he realized that he didn't like these guys so much because I feel like now I'm looking at him at some boxing match where he got a photo with Trump and shit and that... Look at Sneeko. Just tweeting the Confederate flag. No context? No context. Yeah, he's leading into it. Jesus he's just he's fucking around. All the no, way he's canceled. Wow, this makes me very concerned. Like, why I can't find this. Maybe he ended up having uh, second thoughts. I could look through his likes, but I feel like it's not worth it at this point. But that video is out there, and I'm going to find it, and I'm going to show you. That, it sounds amazing. Like, I might just buy that guy's course to support him. Yeah, there was if part of me that was like, his, his advice. part of me was like, I have to make content about this. Like, I have to talk about this. This guy, like, fucking, the fact that this is a type of dude now is pretty jarring. <laughs> oh, man, did you see this one? This fucking, uh, this sort of a uh, right-wing group. I guess this is what Nazis look like now. They all I have did. the red shirt with the black fucking hood over their head. Yeah, I did. What I, is I, that? I didn't know what that was. Yeah, just... Um, and then they got this one bald guy with like a fucking big tattoo on the side of his head. Yeah, yeah. It, it was almost... I, I don't know who those guys are, what they do. The bald ringleader is interesting. The guy who has no anxiety about revealing his identity. Yeah. But you know, like, MSNBC and CNN are just like, oh, fuck, yes. Like, this is what we need. Right, because it would be so entertaining for us to, like, have, like, all kinds of new fancy white supremacists to, like, you know, talk about and look at and everything. But it doesn't feel like it really is going to happen because, like, the Richard Spencer thing happened, like, 2016. And then who have you really seen come out that is, like, popular for that, that seems to have gained any real fan base that, like, embraces those kind of ideas? It kind of feels yeah. like it's done. It's not Who's Proud back. Boys 2.0? I don't know. The Proud Boys are just kind of still struggling along. I am not going to be able to. I'm four days back. But I know what you're saying, though. We need, like, hopefully before this election, like, I'm down. Like, Antifa needs a nemesis, dude. Like, mm. Antifa needs to be clashing in the streets with more. Like, I definitely want to see the guy with the suit and the bald head holding some sort of, like, fantastic weapon. Oh, my God, I found it. Yes. You found the guy talking about I pulling his cock it. out? His name is, if anybody wants to see this, 
His name is, he's from London. His at name is Hose <laughs> and Cash. <laughs> Owner of the best group in the industry. Learn how we make 30K a month. Uh, okay. Listen. Guys, most of you listen to your guru, your game guru. And none of the fucking gurus that teach game tell you this. Instantly whip your dick out, bro. <laughs> if your lips are hurt, instantly whip it out. If you're talking to her, just whip it out, bro. Slap it on your hand. Slap it. Unless you get wet. Easy as, bro. You don't need to fucking spit game, talk bullshit. Don't need to, bro. Just whip it out, bro. Whip your dick out. Trust me, bruv. Legend, dude. Wait, this, Legend. This is Wait, his Cash and Hose? I'm following him, dude. I'm following no, Hose and Cash. Excuse me, dude. Excuse but, but, like, look at the picture right here. Like, do you blame me for, like, assuming that this was, like, a new school, like, fascist group that Sneeko was hanging no, out with? Dude, I don't blame you. Hose oh and Cash? God. Is it an and sign or is it an and spelled out? Hose and Cash. And yes, I completely agree that you should go to England and do a video and see what this guy's life Fucking is like. Fucking legend, dude. But they're all Absol gurus. Absol I'm retweeting this. Mr. I'm Over tweeting this dude yeah okay one of the other guys <laughs> Seventy-one thousand followers uh mr overpaid his his pin tweet three years ago i got kicked out of university today i just picked up my fifth supercar a mclaren 720s take risks so all these guys are like basically like selling you on yeah every single one of them this other guy his pin tweet how to make fifteen thousand dollars a month profit with no job in america like this is such a strange new type of dude. And apparently they're not Nazis. They're just like really concerned with making money. I don't know. Yeah, they they share that in common with the Jews, actually. Right. Like the Jews, I mean, they like making 15 grand a month, too. I mean, I guess you can you can only obsess over the Jews for so long before you start to take notes from them. And you're like, well, maybe I'll just create a course. Yeah, yeah. And eventually, like somewhere on the path to business, you're probably going to meet a Jew who you're like, fuck, I respect this guy. Mm. Like, oh, my God, like I want to see him in a gas chamber. But his business <laughs> advice is so sound. Like even the most ardent of Nazi, if they're into hustle culture, they're going to be like, I want this guy to mentor me. Oh, hustle culture is the great equalizer. You can't be racist once you get into hustle culture. You can't. You can, no. Dude, you're so right. Yeah. It's just like, dude, if you go to a Grant Cardone 10X seminar, there are going to be people, they are going to be bruvs of all stripes there. Yeah. Fucking on the dais. Like Kevin yeah. Hart goes. You think Grant Cardone's got it in him to say no to some fucking dude's money just because he's of a different race? Hell no. no. You're taking every last dollar that you can. That's, that's part of the ethos. Like racist... It's like resentment culture. It's like you have something that you resent that you're angry about. Yeah. And it's kind of hard to get past that. It's kind of hard to like work with others once you yeah. have that built into your head, right? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. You're fucking right though, dude. Hustle culture is so universal. Yeah. Like Gary V, like the fucking lord of hustle culture is Jewish. Yeah. How you cannot be an anti-Semite if you're into making skrill. Mm. That's a fact. Damn, dude. I'm so glad I introduced you to Hose and Cash. Dude, I am so happy I followed that guy. I retweeted that tweet instantly, dude. I wonder what people will read into that. Because the Danny the Danny Mullen persona is such that maybe they'll just <laughs> think that you genuinely are into it. In 2019, like it would be pretty hard to tell me apart from that guy. Yeah. In terms of like the things I would say while blacked out you in videos. You meat out, bruv. Yeah. Like basically I, I mean I would literally I had a video in 2018 called Show Us Your Penis mm. where I just went around San Diego County trying to entice people to pull their fucking meat out, bruv. Mm. Like that's literally what the video was. Wow. So, yeah, that guy is, like, basically me back in the day. No, it reminds me, like, that is, like, a joke that I would have really gotten into and made when I was in high school. 
Because like, and that that was the other weird thing. I haven't fully looked into it, but they were saying that Steven Crowder like was showing his employees his balls a lot. That's funny. Like I do maybe dick too. Like genitalia, I think was the word used. My buddy Leo, dude, like that's his thing. Is he'll just like flash our cameraman Nico when we're on the road together. Really? Yeah, because Leo's got like a big uncircumcised Italian fucking meat hammer. Does he? And he'll like, it's a good dangler. It looks really good. A limp. Mm. I'm sure it's good hard too. But like I, I like to think he chubs it up before he ever pulls it out. Yeah. But he'll come out of the shower and be like, hey Nico, you know this shit, yeah. And just See, make our cameraman look at it. That was such a standard joke for me when I was young, and now <laughs> it just feels so inappropriate. Just like tricking people to look into your to look at your dick. Since I'm, not, I don't really have a position of power here. Like if I flash, you know, Mike a fucking testy every now and then, would you have a problem with that? Yeah, that's gonna be an issue. I don't think you would. You wouldn't squeal on me, would you? It's all about the squealing. I don't think it would make him uncomfortable. I actually think he would probably be pretty stoked. But I think it would too. The lawsuit. I just feel like it would probably sound a lot different in context. I don't. I feel like I am like a you know an independent contractor. I don't think him <laughs> suing me would would affect you. Right. I think it would be good. I do feel like you might have both signed paperwork that would make it difficult to sue for like seeing a ball. I saw to it that I didn't sign anything. Oh. So, so you better not try anything with me. Actually, yeah. just me looking at your plug talk. Actually, this is going to be tough because I like passed you an iPad on our second episode of my erect cock, just full screen. And I will be using that <laughs> as well, for sure. <laughs> oh, my God. Who who was the porn star that we were around, though, where I started telling her, like, yeah, he does DP and shit. And she was just like, oh, like, because as a porn star, you have never met anybody who's done DP off camera your entire life. For the most part, like 99% of civilians will never do DP. And for the record, when I say DP, I mean two dicks in the same vagina. That's double vaginal. That's DV. Well, that's still DP for the most part. DP like, traditional, because I'm a connoisseur, motherfucker. Okay. DP is pussy and asshole, and then double vag is both in the vagina. Double vag is more extreme, way more extreme. Because, yeah, because the guy's dick has to touch the other guy's dick. Yes. Like 30 to 40% of your friction is coming from the underside of your buddy's schlong. Right. And so I talk to dudes, male porn stars, who do it. And it's like a lot of times they don't want to admit that they do it. They never will admit that they like it. Well, yeah. I don't know. I'm sure there's plenty that will admit they like it. But for the most part, it seems like they don't want to talk about liking it. It's kind of hot because it is like the most depraved thing you could fucking do and it's it's also like a party atmosphere so it's sort of fun and I, then if you told me like listen okay you're sitting there girl gets on top of you she's fucking your dick with her vagina and then i get behind and i put my dick in her ass I'm open to the idea that that is not gay even though our legs would almost certainly make contact nuts as well yeah but that is so much less gay than both of our dicks touching in a vagina. That to me, it's like you could do it on camera for porn and I get it. It's a job. It is what it is. If you do that in your spare time, which you, you have, so you are a gay man. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's kind of hard for me to wrap my head around. I don't think I would ever do it. Maybe if I was, if I was a full-time porn guy and this was like my real livelihood, yeah, maybe I would do it just because that's the job. But I don't know. There's something about that that just doesn't sit right with me. I so it was at a time in my life where I had almost nothing else going on, and my <laughs> my entire self worth was basically dependent Fucking. on like how successful I was at the bar that night. Yeah. And eventually, you run out of ladder. Like you, there's no more levels to climb. Like like your fucking toy with the ball, the kandala or whatever. <laughs> like I. 
I was on the last trick. Like, I was on the fucking Nolly 360 pressure flip. Mm-hmm. And we'd already done double penetration. We'd already hooked up with plenty of hot girls. We needed to do something before I went back to my job as a busboy on Sunday morning that would make me feel alive. And at that point, feeling the underside of my buddy's dick was, like, the only thing left. So we fucking went for it, dude. It's just crazy, too, because you know that it's going to be way tighter than the average vagina because there's something else in there taking yeah. up space. So it's probably going to feel really fucking good. You're going to love it. It's going to feel way better than a regular pussy. But guess what? It's gay. Yeah. Your homie's in there, too. Yeah. I don't know. Here's a mental image of something that I hope you and I never do. Like, I was filming a plug talk. You know, Wedding so night. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just chilling. I'm just <laughs> hanging out, and I'm watching a chick get fucked by two dudes on set of plug talk, whatever. And then, you know, they've, they've done enough fucking. And so it's time for them to nut on her face or whatever. She's, she's on her knees and they're kind of like going back and forth, jerking off. And you could see them like beating their meat, looking down at their dick, looking each other in the eyes. Cause they want to come at the same time. That'd be really hard, dude. Yo, wouldn't that be That'd like, be so I, I never even thought about it until that moment of like, holy shit. Like I never even thought about having to coordinate my nut really tough dude that's some expert level shit yeah and it wouldn't be because when you want to time your nut from a chick and you have her full attention you can be like can can i bang you a little bit more from behind i like that or can you suck my dick a little more lick my balls but she is unavailable if she's just trying to be like oh yeah oh like you can't get what you need she's sitting there trying to look hot trying to look ready trying to be like in the zone for it so she's not you know like all the things you would normally do to like get in the zone to finish like all that bend over let me fuck you that's what i'm saying yeah that's what what i'm saying oh yeah yeah, did you just black out my entire speech no i heard what you said but like did i just like reiterate it too much a little bit (laughs) you just had you just had like five second amnesia because i fucking hate people that do that (laughs) no No, no, i'm with you like she she is no longer of use to you yeah it's like you are on your own you and some other fucking dude with a huge cock or on your own to sync watches yeah without her help totally agree just stare each other in the eye yeah that would get me off that's not gonna help me the quickest i might be like hey dude can I, you know anyway, hey my, bro can i slide a finger my up your final butt? observation that i want to say is that through this because that, that's around the same time that i listened to that howie mandel uh joe rogan episode i listened to some other fucking joe rogan episode which was actually it's weird when you listen to his like non-hits because, you know, like, if there's something really amazing on Rogan, it's probably going to get clipped for YouTube, so you might see the clip. Maybe Joe Rogan clips it for his own channel, whatever. I listened to one that was a guy who was in, I think, Soundgarden and Nirvana, and then he left and joined the military. So sounded interesting enough for me to click on. In reality, this guy's probably, like, one of the slowest talkers I've ever seen in a fucking mm-hmm. Joe Rogan conversation. And it was fucking weird to see Joe Rogan, like doing what I feel like I've had to do a million times in interviews, which is like the person's not talking enough. So you really have to go hard to try to get the story out of them. And this guy's not necessarily the best communicator. I also noticed by the time of the, by the end of the the Howie Mandel thing, I started to like notice a a tiny five, 10% of them not really hitting it off, which Mm -hmm. is like, you have to watch the full Joe Rogan episode and really be paying attention to start to pick up on it. Yeah. But there was a thing that was happening where Joe would start talking about some fuck. I can't remember what it was, but it was like some crazy thing that's happened in history or like, you know, this, this thing happened. And as soon as Joe starts to get into the details of this thing that he wants to talk about, how he kind of goes to like, 
yeah, dude, when shit like that happens, it's crazy. Shit like that is crazy. Mm -hmm. And Joe's kind of like, yeah, well, like, what about this specific thing? Like, and because I think that there's a thing that happens to some people, and I'm not necessarily putting this on Howie Mandel, but I've seen it happen a lot on camera where if you, if someone starts talking about something that they're really interested in and passionate about, but you have nothing to offer, mm -hmm. it can kind of put you in an awkward position mm -hmm. because everybody wants to seem smart on camera, on the podcast. Everybody mm -hmm. wants to seem engaged. A lot of times people are not really comfortable being like the student mm -hmm. in that situation. They want to have something to offer. And when it's Joe Rogan, just like telling you everything about this thing mm -hmm. and you can't necessarily like get on board with it. I, I felt like I saw a little bit of like uncomfortability coming through with Howie in that moment and, and Joe feeling like a tiny thread of frustration Yeah, because he wants to really tell you all about this thing Yeah, and how he was kind of starting to like overgeneralize it. And I would, I would love if the comments would watch this and let me know if I was tripping about perceiving this. This is the most you can get out of this episode. The thing you most want is people to be like, Adam's fucking right about how we tuning out <laughs> like, two hours into a podcast. That was why we gathered here today is mm. so you can have that confirmed. Well, given that we have very little to speak of in terms of live, it's kind of like, oh, well, we have to watch content and then communicate about it. I feel, I feel like this was a pretty far-reaching podcast today. I feel like we did a pretty good job. No, they were good I, job. I mean, we talked about a racially charged interaction I had in this building earlier. Right, yeah. Talk, we always got pussy in common. We mm. always, you and I, I would be astounded if any other podcast duo out there, we've got a pretty high body count probably for podcast duos. So we can talk about some pretty profane sexual acts, especially you, Mr. Pornography, mm. you dirty dog. I'm running off fumes right now because I just realized I haven't eaten food since 8.30 a.m. Well, you need it, dude. It's almost 4. I want that waistline real trim in your tuxedo. Well, the, the, the suit has already been purchased, so I'm not going to be able to switch it up. So if it is looking a little big, if I lose a ton of weight over the course of the next 10 days or so, yeah, not my fault. Yeah, I got a new suit that I'm wearing too. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be looking good, dude. I'm gonna fucking pull my. I'm, I'm gonna pull my my fucking worm out, bro. What are you gonna do in the Italy ceremony in what? general? Do you have any plans for Italy? Um, fucking, I don't know. Abduct a boy at the Vatican <laughs> and treat him like the priests treat him. How, how many days are you gonna be around? For? I think like the whole week, dude. I'm chilling. Yeah, I've got a plan. I've got some videos what we talked about earlier stacked up. So I'm. I've got time to write future videos that are like pretty involved and I'm probably just going to do like a, a GoPro selfie video mm. while we're in fucking Florence. I like it. I could do something with the David dude, pull just my cock out on the David. Harass all of the uh, sweet old Armenian ladies that will be there, her family. Yes, I'll absolutely. Or maybe sleep with one of them if they'll have me. Wow. I love that idea. Do you? I feel like they're all wifed up or spoken for for the most part. What if I ruined one of Lena's relatives' marriage? Yeah, I could get into that. Okay. <laughs> as long as it like didn't affect your life directly. If it was like her cousin's uncle's marriage, like that's greenlit, right? I'm I trying could... to think of any of the relationships that her family are in. If my relationship to the family could sustain you ruining one of those relationships. And then vlogging it. I ruined an Armenian marriage. And it clearly being a joke. Yeah, to me. Yeah. But not to the husband who no. got cheated on. No, the husband's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you, Danny. Yeah. Sludge Lords, we out.